Today's episode of One Shining Podcast is brought to you by The Ringer and The Ringer Podcast Network, where you can find podcasts such as, I don't know, let's plug the rewatchable state. Mm. That makes a lot of sense, right? I don't know what's going to, so we're, we're recording this uh, well in advance, and I don't know what the rewatchables movie is going to be when this comes out, but um, the rewatchables podcast will probably exist still next week. They will still be pumping out content. Um, you can also say hello to your future self who will be listening to this, right? Yeah, we're in the past yeah. right now, so hey, congratulations on still being alive. Or we hope hey, it's coming out. Hey, yeah. Mark, uh, I know you're on a road trip right now, mm-hmm. um, driving across the state of California listening to this, listening to yourself. Talk- no, actually, Keller, actually Keller I know you're podcast. on Reddit roasting me, so please log out. Do you, by the way, do you listen to our own podcast? No. Do you listen back? I don't know. I've never listened to myself. I tried like when we started. So I apologize yeah. to everyone who does. Yeah, exactly. I know. Exactly. I listen people- for moments sometimes. Yeah. Like a fuck like a real funny moment. Yeah. Like everybody's idiots. That's that's really Yeah, what an idiot. That's a classic one. I mm-hmm. I try to listen sometimes and it's a, it's the most bizarre thing. The go fucker got me. That brought me back. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a universal back. thing though, right? Like people don't like he- hearing their own voice. Oh, I thought they're going to say go fucking. Oh, go is also yeah, yeah. Uh, go check out the Rewatchables podcast. Um the, the the beauty of the Rewatchables is that it does not matter uh what the show is what what movie they're talking about who's on the panel um it always makes for a good time they 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 have the, figured out the chemistry um of, of who to have on and what movies to do and um yeah go listen to rewatchables uh like i said the reason we are plugging the rewatchables is because i am on vacation if you're listening to this i am driving across the, the state of california camping and fishing and, mm-hmm. and doing god knows what else being attacked by bears um but we we do not take any days off here at One Shiny Podcast, so we concocted this idea, Tate. We cr- we invented the idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yes, it was us um, to do rewatchable sports games. Uh, uh, we we did something very similar to this with the the Duke comeback again over Louisville. We did an instant classic rewatchables, um, which was very very interesting. The Jabruder film, yeah, the Jabruder film. Uh, so if you're just new to the program and you're wondering how this is going to go, the, the way we set this one up is that we're going to do a series of these uh, for the rest of this offseason. Um, and we decided that Tate could pick one game that he wanted to pick. I will pick one game that I want to pick. And then the audience, we will we will put a, a, a poll on Twitter and, and leave the rest of the games up to the to the fans, to the friends of the program. So that's what we did. We picked for today. We picked the 2005. Tate picked this. The mm-hmm. 2005. Illinois versus Arizona Elite Eight game. Um, great pick. All-time classic game. All-time classic comeback. Uh, and that's what we're going to talk about today. You know it's a great game when you have no vested interest and it still sticks in your mind, which is the yes. whole point of this. As we were going through games, obviously we have our own affinities for certain programs, certain teams. But this is a game that I have no stake in. I don't yeah. care who won this game. In fact, Illinois, I probably would not have wanted to win this game. But regardless of that, I'm watching, I'm enjoying and I can't wait to talk about it. We are going to talk about it. We are going to do our best to dive into every single thing. We, As we were recording this, we just got done watching it 10 minutes ago. So everything is very fresh in our brains. And uh, this this has the potential. Um, Kyle, uh, plug your ears. You're not going to hear this. This has the potential to be like a five-hour podcast because there's a lot to break down in this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, it was as I said, an all-time classic game. And we we're going to do our best to talk about everything that mattered. But first, Salim Stoudemire. Hey, thanks for time. Illinois and White in red, Arizona. And we're underway at Rosemont. 18,000 fans, and as you can see in the background, most of them wearing orange for Illinois. 
All right, as I said, we are recording this well in advance. Um, for those of you who care about this kind of stuff, it is uh, Monday, August 5th. So when are we releasing this? The 13th? So mm-hmm. it's about eight days ahead. Um, I don't know. I, I, give, I like to give people the date. So if something crazy happens and we're not referencing it, they're wondering, why the hell are you not talking about that? Uh, we are in my apartment here in Los Angeles, California. Uh, the crew is, the gang is all here. Kyle is here. <laughs> Tate is here, obviously. Mm-hmm. I am here. Moses is here sleeping on the floor. Um, this we, is the sunny in Philadelphia, yeah. Monday, 6 o'clock. We, <laughs> we, we just got done watching the game. Um, and, and as I said, we're, we're going to dive into it. But I want to start here, Tate. Uh, you could pick any game in the world. I, I, I said this in the little pre-roll. We, we allowed each other to pick any game that we wanted, any NCAA tournament game. You chose this game. This was your selection. Mm-hmm. Uh, take, a, take a little bit of time and explain to the people why this was your selection. I am not really a man of monologues. It is not something that I uh, lean on a lot in my life, but I will say this. Let let me take you back to a time. This is a time where Brad and Angelina have decided to get divorced. This is a time where Netflix was just a place where, hey, they'll send you DVDs in the mail. That's pretty interesting. This is a time where I wanted to go see War of the Worlds starring Tom Cruise. This is where we're at in life. This is where we are. College basketball for me at this time was a post Matt Darty era. It mm-hmm. was a time where I have found other players to lean on in the abyss of Matt Darty basketball. So during this period, there were certain people that I really enjoyed watching. Juan Dixon, one of those people, really, really fell in love with Juan Dixon, what he was about. John Gilchrist, right after him, another guy. They're not all Maryland guys, but. Over time, you found different people. One of those guys that I fell in love with, so much so that it was the first full uniform I've ever ordered to my house. Unfortunately, it was extra large. Unfortunately, I was a young man. so I, 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 I It fits you now. It fits yeah, you now. Yeah, though. I couldn't wear it that many. My brother wears it all the time. My mm-hmm. uh, Arizona Wildcats, Salim Sotomayor shorts, he wears everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still have the number 20 jersey. So Salim Sotomayor was my favorite player. He compared himself to Michael Jordan all the time, and that was... In both a very humble fashion and very, you know, not so humble fashion. And those are the players I always enjoyed. I remember watching him hit the shot against Oklahoma State in this tournament the round before. Mm-hmm. He again compared himself to Michael Jordan, said I used to do this all the time. Counted out, knew where the shot was. Boom, hits at 79-78. So I'm, I'm all invested in Salim Stoudemire. So when this game is going on, the number one team in the country all year, obviously, is Illinois. Everyone's mm-hmm. talking about Illinois. North Carolina at the time is number two in the country. But still, I am in like a PTSD, and the D stands for Darty. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm at a point where all I'm thinking about is certain players and not getting my hopes up. So one of those guys I'm really excited about watching is Salim Stoudemire, my favorite player, possibly take out the top team in the country so North Carolina has an easier path to the title. Mm, but okay. again, we don't want to think about this. This is all about... These two teams playing each other. We're so excited about Arizona. They just hit this shot. Lute Olson's 70 years old. Arizona's at this, you know, kind of apex point of everyone's kind of remembering the good old days with Lute Olson. He's getting the whole, this guy created a family atmosphere at Arizona. Right, right. This is what Lute this Olson is, does. Th- he doesn't say cuss words. Yeah, he, right. says he, doesn't, he says baloney. He says baloney. He'll say holy Toledo instead <laughs> of holy shit. You know what I mean? So this is, and that was at the time, the coaches I looked up to. Again, I'm, I'm in the Dean Smith mold of coaches. Right. So Lute Olson fit a lot of the mold of that. So going into this game, from my purview, it's this Arizona team with my favorite player I really like. This Illinois team that I really respect and I love their guards. And I want to watch them play each other. And this game lived up to everything and beyond. And then on top of all of that. Effusive would be the right okay. term. Okay. On top of all of that, it's played in Chicago, but not actually Chicago because mm-hmm. it's a Rosemont Arena, which is 
you know, in the suburbs of Chicago. But uh, so that a- adds to the David versus Goliath element of, you know, all all signs are pointing to Illinois, not necessarily running away with it, but yeah, this was Illinois was a heavy favorite. I would say for anyone. I don't know what the actual odds were. I don't gambling wasn't invented yet. Mm-hmm. I don't think in two thousand five. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Vegas was barely but, invented. Yeah, in Ve- Vegas yeah. was not a thing. The yet. Hangover had the, come yes, out. Yeah. The Hangover had not come out and invented Las Vegas. Uh, but like, I, I, you know, I remember watching this game and thinking, yeah, Illinois got this in the bag. It's, they're playing basically a home game. Mm-hmm. They're playing Arizona, who's who's okay this year. Like they, they. I guess we should we should set the stage that way. Let's set the stage in this regard because everyone remembers the two thousand five Illinois team. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if a lot of people remember the 2005 Arizona team other than just falling victim to the comeback. Uh, Arizona won the Pac-10. It was the Pac-10 back then. Uh, they w- they win the Pac-10. They lose to Washington in the the Pac-10 championship. The Washington team was like Nate Robinson, Brandon mm-hmm. Roy, those guys. Um, they had a pretty good team. I mean, they had Salim Stoudemire. Like you said, Salim Stoudemire is your favorite player. Also, I think part of the reason you might like Salim Stoudemire, by the way, is because he's basically like it's him and JJ Redick in terms of like best shooters of this era. Mm-hmm. And the stats say Salim is the best in 2005. Salim Stoudemire had, I think it's inarguable, the greatest shooting season in college basketball history. He, he invented the 50, 50, 90 club, basically um, shoots 50% from the three point line, 50% from the field, 90% from the free throw line. Mm-hmm. And he averaged 18.5 points a game doing it. Tate. That's insane. Like, a, like there are a handful of guys that have done that, that have done the 50, 50, 90 thing. And they, you look up like who's done it and they yeah. average like nine points a game, maybe or seven because they're not shooting that much. Salim Stoudemire was unbelievable. And then he also has Channing Fry. You also have Hassan Adams. You also have Mustafa Shakur, who wasn't, who was only a sophomore at the time, but he wasn't like, you know, what he ended up becoming for Arizona. But uh, this was a very, very good team. This was like, this was Lute Olson's last great team as Moses is shaking over here. Moses is very upset yeah. that you said that about J.J. Redick. Yeah. He's a big Redick fan, so he's upset. But yeah, like you said, I mean, it's basically Salim Sotomayor shot 53% from three during the season. For reference, J.J. Redick shot 41%. So that just shows how great he was yeah. as a shooter. In the tournament, he was shooting 44% from three going into this game against Illinois. So the stage is set. He just hit a game-winning shot, like I said, against Oklahoma State. So as we go into this game, God, Moses, Moses loving this. He's like, I am, I'm so in on all this, all these stats that are coming out. And we also should point out, uh, <laughs> what, what was that, Moses? Who's that dude? Was dude here? <laughs> what was that, Moses? Perfect. Uh, yeah, Damon Stoudemire is cousins of Salim Stoudemire, right. and sort of going into this season, they were both seniors. You mentioned Channing Fry and Salim Stoudemire. They had underachieved right before. Like there were, there was a lot of backlash. Like. One of the big things I read was that you you hadn't been at Arizona until you've been in Lute Olson's doghouse. So as some of the younger guys were coming in, like Mustafa, mm-hmm. he was getting glowing reviews from Lute while Salim wasn't getting glowing reviews. And there was some animosity on the team. So bad things. They lost to Seton Hall right. in the tournament, uh, the previous tournament. So there, there was all this stuff going in in their senior season. So it's two seniors, Channing Fry, Salim Sotomayor, taking the reins over this team. There was this whole story about how Channing Fry was doing barbecues and bowling nights with all the team going into the season. And it, it was a whole it was a whole blown out thing. Arizona, they like each other now. They're a real team. It's not yeah. just Salim Stoudemire being the guy by himself. Salim is bought in. So that was the narrative going into this tournament. It was basically like, how is Salim Stoudemire going to get everyone involved and make sure that Arizona finally gets back to the top where Lute Olson deserves to be? Yeah, as you said, they lose last. They lose the season before in the first round. They get a nine seed. They enter that season. I'm talking about uh, this is 2003, 2004. We're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, they they enter that season as a top five team. Uh, they they 
do not have a great season. They they are nine seed. They lose in the first round. Andre Iguodala goes pro. Uh, ooh, a little Ewing theory situation mm-hmm. with this team. They bring back basically everybody but Iguodala, who who gets like drafted. What ninth was it? I think in 04? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, the the the, the Arizona was a, in a in a position where they they had a lot of really talented players that hadn't really done a whole lot. And in, in, in terms of as we know, there is East Coast bias. It's it still exists today. Um, where yeah, if if it, who cares if you win? You're winning the Pac-10. You're winning the Pac-12. What are you doing in the NCAA tournament? We need to see something from you. And uh, they they make it to the Elite Eight on on Salim Stoudemire's buzzer beater against Oklahoma State, and they they're playing Illinois well. They build a big lead, and then it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, Illinois, as we know, was was also unbelievable this season. I think we should uh, we should spend some time like kind of putting into context what Il- how Ill- good Illinois was because I think everyone remembers Illinois in two thousand five enters this game having only lost one game. They lose at Ohio State. Uh, Matt Sylvester hits the shot. And as I was explaining, as I was telling you today, uh, as we were like kind of watching the game and prepping for this, um, you know how you know that Illinois is a great team when when Matt Sylvester, the guy who hits the buzzer beater to beat Illinois, is still very, very famous in Columbus, Ohio. Mm-hmm. And if you really step back and think about and that was the last game of the regular season, right? Yeah, like, and Ohio the, State yeah. was ineligible for the postseason. So that was like that was that was a big deal for, for Ohio State because why were they ineligible? Well, um this was <laughs> this was uh listen, this was pre this was this was pre moda. It doesn't count. I don't care, you know. You gotta do it like uh you just gotta say state was ineligible. Just so state, like it yeah. sounds like it could be NC State, Iowa, who knows? Just um, say state. But no, I was big sa- state. I was saying, you know, like all Honestly, th- this is this is one thing that, that that just shows how great Illinois is. Is that Matt Sylvester hits one shot to beat a team in a regular season game, and 15 years later, almost he's like still famous in Columbus, Ohio, and in, in in a football town because he hit one shot to beat one, and that speaks to just how great Illinois was. That mm-hmm. like you beat the unbeatable team. You did it, Matt. Congratulations. Who do you think is more famous, Christian Watford in Indiana yeah. <laughs> or Matt Sylvester That's, that's kind of what Columbus, it's like. It's like, yeah. it's like Christian Watford. It's the same thing. It's like that when when people remember you for, like when you really step back and think about it, it's like that shot really shouldn't matter that much. It didn't mm-hmm. win anything in terms of a t- trophy. It, it, but it does matter because this is what makes college basketball great is these games do matter. If this happens in the NBA in like a February game, like the Ben Simmons, it's a shot to beat the Celtics. What you know? Ben Simmons hit a shot? Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> it's not like yeah, it's not like everyone's remembering that shot that bit, but you know that's how it. That's I'm how gonna it remember it. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, no, I know exactly what you're saying. I will say, just in general, we talk about the Illinois team. We were both talking about this. Like, when was the moment in that season where because Illinois played Carolina the year before 0304? That was the first time I saw this iteration yeah. of the Illinois team, and they played in Greensboro Coliseum. Carolina won that game. I think it was like 88, 81, something like that. They won by like seven points. But the whole game, you're like, man, Illinois is a really, really good basketball yeah. team. And then we go into this season. A lot of people were questioning. Uh, they even said in the broadcast, like, well, you know, what is Bruce Weber going to do with Illinois? Can he bring them back to the promised land? They haven't been to a Final Four since 1989. This whole thing is about what will Bruce Weber do? But we remember in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, because, of course, we remember mm-hmm. These are the games that we watch. And Wake Forest, who ended up being the number one team in the country at one point during the season with, you know, Chris Paul, Justin Gray, Teron Downey, that whole crowd, Eric Williams. 
they got blown out by this Illinois blown team. Out. And that was the moment that like, everyone was like, oh, yeah. wait a second. These guys aren't just Big Ten really good. Because the Big Ten wasn't as yeah. great that year. It was just like, this team is legitimate because Wake Forest is a potential number one seed team. Now, hang on a second. The Big Ten had three teams in the Elite Eight that season. That's, at the end of the that's year. Your Big no, Ten no, 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 no. I'm saying, day. but you remember, um, the, no, you no, remember no. the regular season. Everyone was like, "Is how good is Illinois? Because they were beating everybody. I think you make a great point. Illinois won the Big Ten the year before. Uh, they basically bring the entire team back, which I guess is a, another wrinkle going into this Arizona-Illinois game. It's mm-hmm. like basically this was an era of college basketball where like you you win things and then guys do come back. Like Illinois won the Big Ten, brought everyone back, and we're like, let's run this back and let's do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with Arizona. They basically just lost Iguodala. Uh, but you do bring up a good point because this is this is something as a Big Ten fan, it, it's the, the hard truth that you have to swallow, which is that it, are we really a good team or are we just Big Ten good? Mm-hmm. And this is like every great Big Ten team has this question of of – are we actually good? Could we actually win the national title? Or is it like we have a pretty good team and we hope to get lucky along the way? And Illinois, that's why that's why Illinois fans go nuts about this team. They will go nuts about this team 50 years from now. They they legitimately were a very, very great basketball team. You could put them in any era of basketball, they would be great. They were one of the great all-time college basketball teams. And 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 no holds barred. You don't need any caveats. We don't do ranks or listicles or any of that stuff here on this program, but I should say that every single time you see a 21st century best team to never win a title, it's pretty much unanimous that it is Illinois. Yeah. Every single time. And know, that's not 2005 it, Illinois team. And it's not um it's not just because they they went 35 and 1 and or whatever it was before mm-hmm. losing or um, it's it's not just because of the record. It's just the way they play. They they beat the shit out of everybody. I mean, they were they they won by an average of like sixteen points a game. I think they had like five or six games that were even decided by single digits all season. Like, Their biggest deficit played, of the season was nine points yeah. going into this game against Arizona, and the most that they trailed the entire tournament to this point was two minutes of one hundred twenty minutes. So we talk about like I I certainly talk about it a lot. How the Big Ten does not win national titles, and we have all these teams that finish second. And when you look down at the list of the teams that do finish second, that have that have been since Michigan State won in two thousand, there's a long list of teams that have have lost in the title game. Um, a lot of these teams, if we're being honest, like they do, they are just Big Ten good. Like the the most obvious example is O two Indiana, which we'll talk about when we do my rewatchables. Um, they were a five seed. They weren't. It was just like a fun little run they had. You got like 09 Michigan State. Like no one thought they had any chance against Yeah, we had the whole like car crisis and Detroit and then the whole thing. So there was that, but it was like as far as basketball, North Carolina is going to kick their ass. 2013 Michigan was good enough to win the title, obviously, but like they they had defensive problems. And I don't think, I don't think they didn't even win the Big Ten that year. I don't think when you were watching Michigan in 2013, you're like, that is an all time great team. They were very good, but like, you know, same thing with like 2018 Michigan. They, they, They couldn't really score that well. They had a great run, whatever. Um, but every so often these teams, like, like I would throw a 07 Ohio state in there that we were very, very good, like a yeah. legitimately great team. I think 2015 Wisconsin counts. Um, and, and 05 Illinois, I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm basically saying that like, there's as, as a big 10 fan who watches this stuff, uh, not all national runner ups mm-hmm. are created equal is mm-hmm. what I mean. And 2005 Illinois was every bit as good as any team we've ever seen in college basketball. Um, 
And yeah, so that's that. That's going into this game. Those those were the stakes. And everyone knew this. Everyone knew Illinois was that good going in. And uh, that's how we got here, Tate. And it was one of those things, too, where the entire arena, if you didn't believe that Illinois basketball was on the precipice of entering a new era of boom where everyone is so pumped about it, just watch this broadcast. See the fans that are there. See the amount of orange in the building. Hear the tra- the crowd chanting the entire time. I mean, they are locked in. Everyone is it's locked insane. in. It is, an, it is a full-on this is chicago basketball mm-hmm. this is what we do here yeah. this is us and it was like a culmination it was like yes. built, like the 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 program had been lou henson had built this program they'd mm-hmm. been to the final four in 89 then he kind of handed over to bill self bill self takes it and turns it into what he turned it into and it was great and they're winning big tens and it's like a legitimate great program but we need the culmination we need this to lead to something and that was 2005 illinois like this is the culmination it's happening. It's all happening. We're playing in Indianapolis, mm-hmm. Chicago, and St. Louis is our path to a national title, Tate. That's the, that's what they drew. It's like, could it be any more obvious we are winning the title this year? We are, this is it. It's all happening. And yeah. And it was <laughs> Look so at you close. with a shit-eating grin over there. No, like, it was oh. so close. And I will say, like, getting to a Final Four, I mean, the biggest question, honestly, is like, we talked about it, like, how do we, what is the culmination of all that? I mean, still going to that Final Four and being you know, 35 and one or whatever it was going into the title game. That is in and of itself so impressive. And so, I mean, it it goes back to like that Kentucky team in 2015. I mean, we we remember them uh, attached to the Wisconsin team because they beat them. You know what I mean? When you knock off Goliath, we all remember the David moments, even if you're not really a David. So uh, I don't know, Illinois in this game, and we're going to get into the game right now, but it, it was, it was something amazing in the sense that we see three, talented talented guards that were so uniquely different but also so willing to work together and i think that was the interesting part with this arizona team going into it because we knew a little bit about sort of the split between the three in their backcourt whether it's Shakur, who's like the younger guy right. who's like trying to take stoudemire's spot and stoudemire's a little bit more loose and lute olsen is kind of harder on him and then you know there, there's so many like backstories all this stuff with all these guys and the interesting part that we pointed out as we were watching is one, they they invented the the three guard lineup. Right? They invented yeah. the no. Um, <laughs> it is interesting that uh, uh, this was contra. I don't know how to phrase it. Um, the three guard, like, why? Looking back now, it's the most obvious thing in the world. Like, yeah, you have three guys who are really really good. Uh, of course, you play a three guard lineup. But I think we should for for younger people uh, explain to them that it, it's not like Bruce Weber was revolutionary by doing this. That that would be way too extreme. Um, but there was a little risk involved because this was still an era of basketball in 2005 and especially in the Big Ten. Uh, super conservative. Not only I don't mean politically. I mean, that's probably true, too. But I mean, uh, the Big Ten country, super conservative with like basketball mindsets like this was still 2005 was still an era where like Bob Knight was his shadow was looming over the entire Big Ten, even though he'd been fired five years earlier and his motion offense of just like pass screen away and that's like how we play and all big 10 teams like when i was growing up basketball was like your point guard is your short guy who's fast your shooting guard is probably your token white guy who can shoot and can't move his feet defensively your your small forward that's the guy who's the athlete your power forward is like your your big guy that sets screens and can rebound and your center's your long linky guy and it was like this is every single lineup you play you don't ever deviate from that like if you have three good point guards shit out of luck you play one point guard you bring the other two off the bench like these were sort of how people thought about basketball and um that's not to say it never happened anywhere else I'm, again i'm not saying bruce weber did invent this we were that was a little tongue-in-cheek but um there was like it was 
different to, to have mm-hmm. three guys that sort of played the same position. All three of them could have been the point guard in, in a pinch if they needed to be. Luther Head, uh, Darren Williams, and Dee Brown. And they're just like, fuck it, we'll throw all three of them out there. This was this was a year before Jay Wright in 2006 does the four-guard lineup, ups mm-hmm. the stakes. Um, so yeah, that that is kind of an important little caveat. But then as you said, what's interesting is Arizona sort of had the three-guard lineup too with, with Shakur and Adams. Stoudemire and Hassan Adams. But Hassan Adams... The difference being Hassan Adams is like 6'4", 220, so he's like sort of more of a small forward. But um, Whereas like the Illinois guys were obviously all very small. But um, yeah, that's it. So that's 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 what we had going into this game. A Monday, Dave's all new with Queen Latifah. And later next week, don't miss Brittany Murphy and Denzel Washington. Dave's all new all next week on CBS. And- do you and want it, to talk about the game? Let's talk about the game. All let's, right. uh, let's go through it. We got Illinois in white, and we got Arizona in red. All right, let's set the stage for people. Moving left to right <laughs> on your screen. <laughs> you see it. Uh, yeah, no, so we get in the game. We're in DePaul's arena. I think the first thing that I noticed as soon as we get in the broadcast is, one, I've always wondered how everyone in Chicago does not go play basketball at DePaul. I realize it's right next to O'Hare, so I guess all the kids in Chicago wait, wait, are driving up. to DePaul, and then they're like, "I guess I'll just go to the airport and they go have, to Florida." They have the new arena, right? Like downtown is. Yeah, yeah I think that's now. why they moved yeah. it. Too yeah. many people in the recruiting business were yeah. like, "Why don't we just drive five more minutes to go to the airport and we'll fly to Arizona?" A year from a year after this game was played, I went to WrestleMania in 2006 at Allstate Arena. I bet you did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, it was my spring break in high school. <laughs> and Keller and I went to the WrestleMania. Nice. Um, and I remember thinking, like, I just, I knew WrestleMania was in Chicago. And I was, like, really excited about that. I was like, this is going to be tight. We're going to, let's stay downtown and let's, like, live mm-hmm. it up in Chicago. And then um, we, we we didn't even book a hotel because we were idiots. We were 18 and we were going to drive up there and book a hotel later. And we we, we put it in the, we, we print out the map quest directions. Oh, of And we're course. driving up uh, to, to the arena to go to WrestleMania. And I'll never forget, like, the disappointment disappointment on my face when I like get out of the car and I look around and I'm like where the fuck is Chicago <laughs> like where are we <laughs> where is we are in Illinois <laughs> Chicago yeah. is that way yeah so I can imagine that was uh that was quite a wrinkle but, but that says a lot about the Illinois fans being I mean it is packed with Illinois fans if you watch the broadcast we hope that you did because this will probably make a lot more sense to you it is so many Illinois fans mm. in the building wearing orange uh Bruce Weber does not have the orange jacket on even though He'd be willing to pull it out a little bit later in the tournament as we get to the title game. But this is what it is. And, and and let's just be honest. Illinois, a little tight, little tight butthole in there. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it sort of feels like the Ohio State game. That was the last game of the regular season. They're going for the undefeated season. They're mm. not scoring as well. They're jacking shots. And, you know, it didn't go that well. And this game felt a little bit like that. Arizona comes out in a zone that didn't really feel like a zone. It, 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 I couldn't really make sense of it. I should have broken down the film better. That's, that's This one's on me. I'm going to tap my chest. I, they only played it for like three possessions, but like what I saw real quick was like Chaining Fry was basically just standing in the paint with his arms up mm-hmm. and it was like, I'm going to block all the shots. And then it looked like the rest of the guys were just playing like man-to-man almost. So it, it looks like a 2-3. And then as Illinois is cutting around, they're kind of like following him, but then Chaining Fry is just standing there. And and Jay Billis and Dick Enberg are on the call and they say mm-hmm. Arizona comes out in zone. And then it kind of looked like man-to-man. And anyway... Arizona, uh, uh, Illinois hits a couple threes. Arizona goes out of the zone immediately, just goes to man to man. Um, and then Illinois just kept shooting threes. And I think, I think the theme of this game and, and uh, for, for, let me, let me back up. One of the things that stood out to me as I rewatched this is I do not remember, uh, Illinois not being like 
dominated from start to finish. Like mm-hmm. that was my memory of this. This is the only the second time I've ever watched this game. I watched it live as it happened. Uh, and now looking back, it's funny because I going into this, I just assumed that Arizona had like a 10 point lead the entire game. Mm-hmm. And then towards the second half, it balloons up to 15 or 17, or whatever it is. That was not the case. Like Illinois was was leading for most of the first half. Um, and yeah, it was it was a really interesting game. But I think what, what stood out to me, certainly from the onset, is that Illinois all season long had played typical Big Ten basketball. Like they were super talented and they had guards and you would think that like, you know, maybe they would run up and down a little bit, but that was not the case. I I had Kim Palm, I looked this up on Kim Palm to fact check it. Um, they were like 249th on Kim Palm in terms of tempo. So this was before like people gave a shit about Kim Palm, I think, mm-hmm. in 2005, but he was still out there grinding and working and giving us the stats. Um, so Illinois played really, really slow. Arizona... Meanwhile, played a lot faster. They were 75th, Kim Palm said. Uh, and and that stood out to me as as something I noticed right away is that this was very up and down game. Illinois is throwing the ball all over the gym. Arizona is as well. Uh, and I think that ultimately kind of led to what we got in terms of the second half in Arizona. And, and you talk and about led, that. like what it led to, what we wanted. Lute Olsen wanted Illinois to shoot threes. Yeah. That was pretty much the, the bait in this. And they, they actually mentioned in the broadcast, Jay Billis is like, before this game, you know, Bruce Weber basically said, if they are in a zone, we are going to shoot threes to get them out of the zone. So in this game, they open up in zone and it works out perfectly. D Brown hits a three to kind of open the thing up. Crowd's going crazy. Roger Powell is not really known as a three-point shooter per se, but also a guy, if you leave him open, can hit a three. Mm-hmm. He hits a three. It's 6-0, and then Arizona kind of moves from there. So Bruce Weber gets exactly what he wants out of this. From the get-go, he goes, all right, they're going to kind of clog the lane so James Augustine and guys can't get easy buckets, and Ingram can't get easy buckets in the paint. Let's shoot some threes and get him out of it. They do that. So checkpoint right there from the start to our boy Bruce Weber. Bruce Weber gets his team together. They hit some big shots, and now yeah. we're getting rolling. But Arizona from there, they're rolling as we well. We should also mention, yeah, 2005, this was before Steph Curry invented the three-point shot mm-hmm. in 2014. Mm-hmm. So um, Illinois kind of on the cutting edge there as well of like, why don't we shoot threes? Threes are worth more than two. Why don't we shoot more of those? Uh, they ended up shooting 35 threes in this game, which is, again, in maybe this era of basketball, that is still pretty crazy even in this era of basketball what am i talking about um but in 2005 that was like holy shit and then they shot 40 in the title game and uh, everyone's like holy uh, holy shit yeah yikes um so yeah this was uh this was this was illinois thing they were just they were just jacking threes they seemed happy to do it lute olsen was like they're going to start missing at some point um i don't think they really did i mean illinois i don't think offensively was bad at all i think it was more defensively they had they had no answer for chaining fry whatsoever. Mm-hmm. None. And and Hassan Adams was having his way with whoever they would throw on him. They 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 I forget who the like Darren Darren Williams locked up Salim Stoudemire. Yes. We're, we're gonna talk about that in a little mm-hmm. bit. Um and I forget who the other guard was. I assume it was Luther it was Luther Head. Luther Head was guarding Hassan Adams for a little while. Then Roger Powell gets switched on him and they don't really have an answer because he's he's way too big for Luther Head. He's way too quick for Roger Powell. Hassan Adams was kind of doing whatever he wants out there. Meanwhile, Chaining Fry, we're talking about cutting edge basketball. It's 2005. The stretch five had not been invented yet. Um, but Chaining Fry's out here picking and popping, hitting mid-range shots. He hit a big three um, down the stretch as well. Chaining Fry was playing out of his mind. I I think even as I'm re-watching it, I might make an argument, and we'll probably do this at the very end where we'll pick our MVPs and all that shit. Um, I think Chaining Fry might have been the best player in this game, even though Darren Williams is the pretty obvious answer. Um, because that was... For for eighty five percent of the game, it felt like it was Roger Powell, 
who was just a man amongst boys mm-hmm. for Illinois versus Channing Fry. They weren't necessarily guarding each other all the time, but uh, that's just kind of what I felt. It felt like all the guards were neutralizing each other, and then it was just like Illinois had no answer for Channing Fry. Arizona had no answer for Roger Powell, and that's kind of what the game become until the, the the comeback happened. And it's funny too because Illinois early on in that game, they're basically looking at uh, Channing Fry and they're saying we're going to double on the pass. Yeah. So like they weren't doubling on the catch with Channing Fry, which I thought was interesting because they were more worried about Channing Fry getting the ball in the post and basically running offense out of the post where he has Salim or whoever it may be, Shakur yeah. or whoever else to swing it over to the other side with a cross court pass to get him open. So they're doubling Fry on the pass. And then he kind of he kind of kept Ingram and these guys honest because he started hitting those long jumpers, those long twos. Ingram's got to get pulled more out of the paint, and then from there, I mean, it, it became more of a problem. And Channing Fry, of course, defensively had I think four blocks in the first half, yeah, and, which is so active. And Augustine was, I mean, basically nicks from the get go in this game, which right. is to say he was a stretch five makes it sound like we're saying he was playing soft. He was he was a stretch five in the sense that he was shooting jumpers, but yeah. he was also a real five because like, since he's swatting everyone. Like I basket. said, when it's Big Ten basketball, you're Illinois, you're you're coming up in the Big Ten, you're used to playing against guys like Terrence Dials at Ohio State mm-hmm. who are just like, I'm going to throw my ass into you or I'm posting up on the block. This is this is what Big Ten basketball is. And they have a big guy who can do that because Channing Fry was doing that. He's making post moves, hitting baby hooks, um, picking and rolling, dunking on guys, whatever. Uh, and then all of a sudden he's stepping out and hitting mid-range shots. And Augustine doesn't want to go out there. And and, and Jack Ingram's in there. He doesn't really want to go out there to contest. They're like, he, he can't shoot that cannon. He's hitting mm-hmm. it. And you're like, well, he's not going to hit the next one. And he hits the next one. You're like, holy shit, who is this guy? And he's shooting um, over 70% in the tournament yeah. at this point. So, yeah. I mean, obviously he you have a scouting out, report that says he's shooting that well. But then seeing it in real life, you could see Illinois kind of reeling a little bit. Um, But the real story of this game uh, is, is what – we went in. You you picked this. You you said it at the top. Your your little monologue you did. Uh, the whole reason you picked this game is what ended up becoming the story of this game. Salim Stoudemire, um, two for thirteen, the worst game of his career. The game that uh, what really sucks is it's the one game that a lot of people watched of him. Like a lot of people probably did not watch him play at Arizona because we said like people on the East Coast just don't watch Pac ten, Pac twelve basketball. So much, so much so that during the broadcast, yeah. uh, Dick Emberg was bringing up an anecdote that uh, that uh, Lute Olson brought up, which is basically like, "I'm excited for everyone west of the Mississippi or uh, east of the Mississippi to learn who Channing Fry is." Yeah, you know what I mean. So it's like they were well aware as to what they were getting into. They were kind of hoping, I'm sure, that Illinois wasn't as prepared for what they were as a team at some level. Now, to be fair, in 2005, did we have like we had like two? channels that showed college basketball you like espn and mm-hmm. espn two, maybe and the, you know you'd probably get like one pack 10 game a week maybe on national television so it's i mean a little more it's a little more forgivable now people don't watch it because they suck because like the, foot, the irrelevant, footage but. from cbs on this game was basically pixelated so you can't really know, t- it's like block figures we're not really sure it's like pong we're not really sure who's <laughs> making shots it is but. crazy the, the we, we didn't really talk about that the uh the um just the the, how dated it was to watch this in 2005 does not feel like that long ago but the mm. the the definition was horrible the the fashion was unbelievable in this um and i i get i get ptsd with that when i look back because that was my that was my era man i graduated high school in 06 so i was a junior in high school and you this was the like, cutting edge of that fashion this was my formidable years as i'm watching this with 
very baggy clothes. As I and, told Kyle, this is the G unit era yeah, of clothing. Yes. This is basically like if you wear a medium, I you're literally, getting extra large. I literally own a pair of G unit shoes. <laughs> yeah, say so, G unit on them. So do I. So do I. I thought that they were going to be profitable. Saving up point. money for Mark yeah. Action, dude. This is uh, back when, yeah, straight out of Cashville was a uh, you, you know, big time thing. If you played basketball and didn't have like 30 tattoos, you're an asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, that was that was this era as well. The Darren Williams tattoos. Kyle, you're a tattoo guy. I am a tattoo guy now. You're yes. you have to. <laughs> no. Tate and I do not have tattoos. You have to chime in. Uh, you just got done watching this game with us a little bit. You were sleeping a little bit. A little bit. It was a late night last night. Stepping out, um, <laughs> stepping outside and coming back every night. Kyle's every so the first person to say I had a late night last night, and everyone suspects he was drinking, and really he was playing Xbox. Usually, <laughs> <laughs> usually when people say that, they suspect Xbox not like, drinking. You know yeah. what I mean? And then Kyle, yeah, good for um, you, Kyle. So you you saw did you see Darren Williams tattoos? I did. I even googled them afterwards. You googled after. Yeah, of course. Um, your thoughts? Not great. Not great. <laughs> mm. uh, it was it was funny because we were talking about it. I was like, what kind of mind state do you have to be in to like at the age of twenty one be you know semi covered? Yeah, you know because I'm still you know I'm not saying regret, but definitely think about it every once in a while for this one on my arm. So it, it's crazy. You, you watch these old clips. <laughs> this era of ba- college basketball, all these guys are. 18, 19, 20, whatever, and they have they're all covered in sleeves and they have just like shitty tattoos. And I think that's what it is. I think it was like if you play basketball, you have to have tattoos because that's what the like Alan it was the Allen Iverson era. Mm-hmm. Allen Iverson is, you know, everyone wants to look like Allen Iverson. Um, but you don't have any money because you're like 19. So <laughs> yeah. you just end up going to like the shittiest tattoo parlors and you just get, like, I was gonna say, then you go to Ohio State yeah, and, you, uh, and you and you get to go to the tattoo, uh, the tattoo parlor, thing. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, the, did you see a uh, Salim Stoudemire has the tattoo of this, this blew my mind. I did not know this. I I, I saw the Salim Stoudemire tattoo on his mm-hmm. on his what do you call that muscle? The deltoid? I don't even fucking know. I have no idea. I've never on used his, it. On his like shoulder, on the outside of his shoulder, mm-hmm. he has his name in old English. It says Salim. And then uh, He also has it on his headband, by the way. Yeah, he did have the Salim's Salim on the headband. headband. Not a not a Nike um, check, Salim. And I, I didn't know I didn't realize this. Damon Stoudemire, his cousin, who also played Arizona, who also Jailblazer wore number twenty himself, yes. Has Damon an old English font on his left deltoid? I think it was a same day tattoo situation. I don't know. Are they the only two Stoudemire's? Is this like a whole family thing, or is it like you have to be great at basketball to get this honor? Or I don't know. And they just get their first names. It's amazing. It's, it's it maybe when they're You're born. Partying in college, maybe when they're born, so they remember are. who they. Yeah. <laughs> You're in college, and anything could happen. I love the Stoudemire family. They're the Wayans family of basketball. Uh, We have a lot of headbands. We have a lot of cutoff t-shirts underneath the jerseys. Mm. We have a lot of, uh, we have the D Brown cornrows and not just cornrows, but like patterned cornrows. Like I said, it was the Iverson influence. Mm. So it wasn't just like straight back cornrows like Kawhi Leonard has now. It was like, you got to have some sort of design in your cornrows. Um, this was the era that we were we were in. Yeah, it's so. also the headband era. I mean, everyone's headbands, rocking yeah. headbands. Everyone's like basically swagging out to the max as much as they can. But also, it was a very college basketball game in the sense that one of the first things that we noticed and looked at each other were like, look at these inbounds passes that are going. Like so there were sloppy. so many sloppy turnovers, and it was so quintessential college. I feel like everything is so you know well put together these days where we package things and we would never let something like that happen but in this time it seemed like Lou Olson was just like yeah I expect the turnover there so everyone get back point. on defense it's very easy now to say it wasn't like this back in the day and I know 05 isn't that far back and a lot of, when, when people talk about back in the day in college basketball they really mean like 80s and 90s we're talking about 15 years ago but at this still point, right? um this idea that like the one and done has led to disjointed basketball whatever it is uh, these are two teams that brought. They knew each other well. They, mm-hmm. Like they knew their teammates well. I mean, um, they played well together all season. Whatever, whatever. 
And you watch this game, and you're like, yeah, the, the, Illinois has all seniors and juniors starting, and they're throwing the ball all over the gym to start the game. So it's not like, you know what I mean? It's not like some indictment on this current era of college basketball where it's like these freshmen don't know how to play. I wish you could go back and watch the way Illinois took care of the ball in, in the 05 Elite Eight. And it's like, what? Darren Williams had six turnovers in the first 20 minutes. And the whole thing with Darren Williams was like, that is not what Darren, Darren Williams, the reason that yeah. he was like, had such an established reputation was this guy is something else. He always makes the right pass, always makes the right play. But I think that says something about 2005, what a stage this was. This is such a huge moment. Like Salim Sotomayor said, everyone's going to remember this is who we saw of Salim Sotomayor. If it's 2019, we see him on, you know, Instagram. We've seen his highlight videos a million right. times. Like, That's true. there's so many other things that we've seen of Salim Sotomayor. But in his mind, he's like, people probably didn't even watch the Sweet 16. This is my Elite Eight game. Yeah, they don't yeah. even care I made that shot. It's go time. It's Jordan mode. And so a lot of that is like the apprehension and the anxiety and like all the stuff that goes into the game. Cause you could see the nerves, especially hitting Illinois. Cause there's so many fans in there. They're like, I got to give these people a show. Darren Williams definitely locked up Salim Stoudemire, but Salim oh, yes. Stoudemire took a lot of very, very dumb shots, um, which was sort of his MO. But as we said, uh, the difference is he, he makes them usually, and he was not making these and he kept gunning. And, um, yeah, that was that that ended up being the story of the game, unfortunately. But he looked great though. The headband, the hair, he's got the fro. Like I, I gotta be honest, I could watch Salim Stout. I'd rather watch Salim Stoudemire miss shots than a lot of guys make shots. Um oh, hot he's take. that smooth. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's left handed too. Left lefties mm. are always smoother, you know? Yeah, he's a southpaw. Yeah, any left-handed shooter, like it always looks smoother coming out of their hands. And we and, also should point out, I feel like in my mind, you're talking about like how you remembered the game. In my mind, I remembered the game as if Salim Stoudemire had a Rashad McCants like attitude. Like yeah. just just the way like your memories what, what do they say like you fifty percent wrong all the time when you look back on things so 50% like fifty percent of the time you're wrong hundred percent of the time yeah exactly <laughs> something like that that's what they said I don't remember exactly I I don't remember I don't that's remember the whole who point. said that yeah, yeah I don't remember uh but yeah Sleep Sotomayor in this game I mean he never backed down and I and it wasn't like he was frustrated by taking like he never looked upset and for some reason in my mind I just felt like he was just the classic exhausted I'm getting run over and I'm I'm tired yeah. of this and this isn't going well but I, he got taken out at one time during the game and you know Bruce I think it was in the first half like four minutes left Bruce Weber pulls Darren Williams that's a that's sees. a big time move with Bruce Weber by the way yeah. we should point that out because that he is psychological same time, and you could see Sotomayor yeah. on the bench like he looked he saw it and it was like remember in the I think it was LeBron yes first, I was gonna bring this up yeah, yes LeBron LeBron the first time Kawhi Leonard yes. was guarded him and he's like coming back in the game he's like <laughs> and that's what it felt like that was the only thing that, and it's crazy like my memory took that one moment from Slim yeah. Stoudemire getting upset on the bench seeing that they pulled Darren Williams at the same time they're timing it out together yeah. like that was the frustration moment that's the only time I really saw it but in my collective memory I remember him being frustrated by Darren yeah. Williams and it was only he one was a malcontent moment. he was like pouting yeah. on, but he and wasn't he was, and he he was, was never like that, that. But yeah what, what other misconceptions did you have about this game coming in I think like what, what did you remember about this I think I wrong? thought that Channing Fry, for whatever reason, was like a freshman and Salim Sotomayor was a senior. Yeah. And like Channing Fry wasn't a focal point of the team, even though like that doesn't really make sense because I knew that they were the same class or whatever. Yeah. But like when I look back on, I always think Channing Fry is younger. I always think that, like you said, I thought Illinois was getting belted by this team the entire game. And then Arizona came up short, like ran out of gas as opposed to, I mean, it was like nine lead changes. It was a back and forth affair. Mm. So I think those are the two main things that come to mind. But yeah, I always thought there was one more guy that everyone across the country would remember from that era of Arizona basketball, like the late 90s to mm -hmm. mid 2000s, like a, 
I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was Iguodala. Maybe I thought Iguodala was still on the team. Maybe mm. I thought like, I wasn't stupid enough to think Richard Jefferson was still on the team, but maybe like a Luke Walton was still on the team. Um, I thought there was like one more guy like that. Maybe it was Iguodala that I thought. I don't know. But I, I, I always thought there was one more guy. Um, speaking of which, 2001, in setting the stage, I don't know how I forgot to mention this. I don't think I did. Uh, 2001, Arizona played Illinois in the Elite Eight and mm-hmm. beat them. Mm-hmm. How do we not, how do we not, I'm sorry, I should have brought that up earlier. Uh, yeah, so that team, one of the, one of the guys, I thought one of the guys that was like actually on the 0-1 team, maybe that's why I, I got it confused because yeah, they did play Yeah, you Richard Illinois. Jefferson. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought one of those guys was on this 0-5 team. They were not. So that's like one thing that I messed up. Um, and also, like I said, I thought that Illinois was like just down all game, but that was definitely not the case. It was, it was, it was a case of like Illinois seemed to be to have it in control. They they didn't necessarily blow it, get out to a huge lead, but it just like we said, we've been saying they were clearly the better team all season. They're basically playing at home. Um, they take a halftime lead. You just kind of figure that at some point Illinois is going to step on their neck and it'll be over. Uh, but the, and and then eventually Arizona just they couldn't stop Arizona. And that was it. And it looked like Illinois is kind of tired. And then they just go into panic mode and start pressing. And I guess, is this the point of the podcast where we talk about the comeback? Because that really is the story. Other than Salim Stoudemire sucking, the reason people remember this game is that Illinois is down 15 with four minutes to play and sends it to overtime. And that is the the major crux of the whole reason why this is a game that we're all going to remember. I thought you were going to bring up the most important moment was singular uh, halftime wireless show with Tom Izzo <laughs> when he came on and, and brought up everything about Michigan State and what they were planning to do in the next game. But I'm happy you're going to get to this point because I think we have to get to uh, – basically, we have to get to 1634 or something like that to go, right, in the second half. Like Hassan Adams gets his third foul. Mm-hmm. This is when I'm. This is when I'm clocking in. This is probably. You said you've only seen this game. This is the second time you've watched it. Yep. This is the second time I've or, I've watched the game through. But my dad is the king of ESPN Classic being on. This game is shown. You know, every once in a while, or you know, maybe CBS leading up to March Madness, you'll see this game. So I've watched this second half quite a few times, and I'm always shocked. The biggest misconception is I'm always shocked at how big of a lead Arizona had in so little time. Yeah. was on the clock. And yet, when you watch it, no matter what, you were looking around and you're like, for whatever reason, Lute Olsen does not look very secure about this win. Mm. Not a second, not not one moment. And, they, they, and Jay Billis the whole time, you know, God bless him, with his hair and all, they cut to him and he's like, I mean, good news, Arizona, they got three timeouts, you know, they're 36 to 12 points in the paint. Like everything, mm. possession arrows, Arizona, everything is Arizona. How could Arizona how, possibly how, blow this? <laughs> how could they possibly blow this? These poor, poor Illinois fans. And then it just happens. I mean, it, it is so Arizona 21st century, really, when you think about like some of some of the things, the dominoes that have happened in the program. Oh, I have my notes. I'm I'm ready to bust those out let's, whatever you want. Let's you want to do the, it now? Yeah, let's bust the notes out. You want to do it are. now? Because yes. uh the, I have the Arizona heartbreak rundown here. And that is the end of the first half in Rosemont, Illinois. Fry and Radenovich with 10 each. Lead Arizona, no field goals for Stoudemire. Brown with 11, Powell 9, the Illini top scores. 38-36, Illinois will send you the great couple in New York. After these messages and a word from your local station. We're going to take a quick break to talk about our friends at Bombas. Tate, when I was in school, the cool thing was, uh, what was the cool thing? We already talked about it. The fashion at, at, at in 2005 when I was in school was... The cool thing was baggy clothes and yes, yeah. South Pole, son. Yes, <laughs> Echo. 
Throwback jerseys. When was the... Talib Kweli. Was it 2003 was the peak? Dave uh, Chappelle. The 2003 draft was great, but then the, is that the picture that's like the, the most egregious baggy clothes picture? Making the band. Tate's just not even listening. Tate's going to do this the rest of the, Just do that the rest of the ad read as I go through. South Park. Let's do that. Let's just... That's how we're going to do this. Just keep saying cool things as I go. Uh, you were cool if you had baggy clothes. And if Batman you, Begins. <laughs> now the coolest things in school are Bomba socks. Bombas are the most comfortable socks ever. They're designed with several comfort innovations. Mr. and Mrs. Smith. <laughs> they help them feel better than any other kid's socks ever made. And they're so colorful, literally bursting with color. They even have a little colorful bee on them. And since Bombas donates a pair of socks for every pair purchased, you should Number get... Number 24, Kobe Bryant. You should get some for yourself, too. We have Bombas here at, at One Shining Podcast. It's the only socks we wear. They are very, very comfortable. They are very cool. Uh, so send your kids back to school with Bombas, the socks that will keep them comfy, colorful, and ready to take on the school year. The Is NHL it- lockout. <laughs> are you just Googling things from 2005? No, I remember. Oh. I looked it up yesterday. <laughs> Visit Bombas.com slash Shining to get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash Shining for 20% off your first purchase. Bombas.com slash Shining. Make sure your kids have the coolest socks in school. Back to the podcast. Anything else before we go? Roy Williams, first national championship. All right, Jansport backpacks. There oh, yeah, is. fresh. So Arizona is 1-6 in, in Elite Eight games since winning the 1997 national championship. Mm-hmm. In 1998, Utah beats the shit out of them in yes. Elite Eight. 2001, as we already covered, they beat Illinois, which is a fun little wrinkle to this little podcast we're doing. Uh, they make the title game. They lose to Duke. I don't know if we count that one. Uh, Bobby Olsen passed away in the middle of that season. Arizona's ranked number one to start the season. Bobby Olson passes. They're kind of disappointed. Bobby Olson passes away. They get the magic back. They mm-hmm. go on the run. They're trying to win it for Bobby. That doesn't count. That's like supernatural shit. Mm-hmm. 2001. That's the only reason they won in mm-hmm. 2001. I swear. Uh, take that out. You have 2003. They, uh, they, they, they lose to Kansas in the lead eight. Jason yes. Gardner gets a shot block, gets the ball back, gets another shot to send it to overtime, misses. 2005 is the game we're talking about right now. 2011 is the UConn game where Jamel Horn has a shot at the buzzer, wide open from the right wing, hits the back iron. If it goes down, they win. Uh, 2014, Nick Johnson dribbles out the clock mm. in overtime, down by one, mm-hmm. and the buzzer sounds, and we get to live look at Sean Miller. I think that's when live look at Sean Miller started. <laughs> uh, and then 2015, Sam Decker just pulls like rainbow threes out of his ass down the stretch to, again, Arizona loses again to Wisconsin. I didn't even bring up LaQuentin Ross in 2013 hitting a buzzer beater to beat Arizona. I didn't bring up Brandon Ashley breaking his foot mm. when Arizona starts in that 2014 season when they start 20-0. I did not bring up the zone offense catastrophe against Xavier in 2017 yes. when like, the bracket had opened up and it was like, it, this is it. Sean Miller is finally going to make the Final Four. And, and you then, still haven't brought up Buffalo. And I still have not brought up Buffalo when you have the number one pick Alon- and Alonzo Trier. And Raleigh Orchids, mm-hmm. and you get the shit kicked out of you by Buffalo. Um, and you God. were a four seed. Like my you God. let yourself become a four <laughs> yeah. seed to then lose to a very talented 13 seed. And that is the Arizona and story. And Arizona fans have now turned the podcast off. So yes, Wild Bags has deleted his Twitter, <laughs> and he is no longer following us. That is the Arizona, since winning the 97 title. So I asked the question, was it worth it? Was winning the championship worth it? If they could go back in time, would they want to... Would it was. It felt like you know Arizona fans were like, "Hey, they're they're praying to God," and they're like, "Hey, give us a title. We'll never complain about anything again." And God was like, "All right, here you go. <laughs> Got gotcha, you. You sure about that? <laughs> All right, 
Good luck. <laughs> so, yes, we're dealing with a lot of that. And, again, Lute Olsen is 70 years old. He's on the sideline. One of his uh, quintessential cutaway shots in this game is Lute Olsen, just like, you know, back in the day when Tarquin had the towel in his mouth and he's sitting there chewing on his towel. Lute Olsen has a blue Powerade cup in his hand, trying to look cool, calm, composed. It's okay, Lute. Holy Toledo. Is I a dip cup? Is he spitting? I hope he is. That would be great. But maybe he didn't need that. So, anyways, back to 1634 to go in the game. That's the Son Adams gets third foul. They show the graphic. And it goes, Louisville, you know, gets the win over West Virginia earlier. And remember, they came back from 20 down. We should have brought that up to set the stage. Yeah, that that happened right before this right game. Right before this game. So there's only yeah. one team that's in the Final Four. Of course, we know who's going to get the Final Four. Michigan State and Carolina on the other side of the bracket. Louisville just beats West Virginia to go to the Final Four. They come back from 20. Mm-hmm. So we're in a day of comebacks. And you know how the tournament works. It's kind of like ebbs and flows. So sometimes when it's like a comeback, upset kind of day, that's where we are. So they show that graphic. And then again, Salim Stoudemire has not made a field goal in this game. They show the graphic, do this little thing. Stoudemire comes down the court, basically one crossover dribble, pulls up from what is, you know, probably 25, 26 feet, and he hits a huge three. And the crowd kind of goes a little silent. And then Jay Billis gives a, what area code was that, that from? Yeah. Billis you know, was, the, yeah, the, Billis like, is the, the star of this broadcast for me. Just the, the he's still working out the kinks with his little with his personality and trying to figure out. <laughs> it's like he watched a lot yeah. of Gus Johnson tape and they yeah. were like, we need catchphrases and we need just like <laughs> punch, punchful lines, Jay. Do what you got to do. Brush that hair back and give us some hits. Uh, so he does that, which is great. It's wrong! <laughs> <laughs> That's all happening. And then and then we cut down. So like, Stoudemire hits that shot. Everyone's kind of going crazy. Jack Ingram hits a surprise three. So it's 47-44. Stoudemire comes back down, hits a floater. So you're thinking in your head right now, oh, here comes the real Arizona team. They're up five points, and Stoudemire is just getting ready to cook. Augustine has yet to score. Right. They can't get anything inside. They're not really playing that well and shooting that well from the outside. Roger Powell has become another being, and he is playing out of his complete, you know, beyond anything that we've ever seen from him, really, at this point. And then Luther had hits a three. It's 49-47. Augustine scores his first basket, 49-49. Cut to crowd, and this is when... I'm getting a little juiced up because I'm thinking, uh-huh. here comes Illinois. Uh-huh. Bill Murray. There he is. In the crowd. There he is. Rocking the full-on orange get-up. And they uh-huh. say, of course, noted, longtime lover of Illini basketball. Of course. Of course. Your favorite, this. Mr. Caddyshack, Bill Murray. And he's going crazy, having a good time. So here's where, that's where we are. We're tied up, 49-49, 13-20 on the clock. Bill Murray has just been shown on the screen. We just learned there was a 20-point comeback before. And here... We, we go go uh bill murray you know you know where bill murray was born evanston illinois mm. tough look for northwestern there yes hate to see that that uh Come bill on, murray, Chris. yeah because they because they even said that they cut to bill murray and they're like of course bill murray grew up in chicago that explains why he's a northwestern fan or that's why that explains why he's an illinois fan and to that i said is northwestern not chicago's big 10 team i don't know i guess not <laughs> does it not say that on the court north chicago's big 10 team uh yeah, the, the the Bill Murray shot was uh I, I completely forgot that that happened. I, I had no recollection of that whatsoever. That was a nice little surprise and rewatch. Was that the only game. time he showed up? No, he they, no, they showed our, him later when he's yeah. celebrating. Yes. When when uh Darren Williams hits the three that ultimately was the, the three that sent it to overtime to tie the game at eighty, um, they cut to Bill Murray and he's he's losing his mind. And uh, you know, I, I don't know I don't know how many teams this man cheers for, but 
He's allowed to. He's one of the few guys that's allowed to cheer for as many teams as he wants. The original Drake, a man yeah. <laughs> that does not care, but also a man what, that in the building for big moments. That's you know what, what we mean? learned about this game is that that we have Channing Fry inventing the stretch five. We mm-hmm. have Bruce Weber inventing playing more than two guards at once. We have uh, uh, Bill Murray inventing Drake. Drake. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Murray said God's plan when Darren Williams hit that three. That is that is a hundred percent true. Um, so basically, also as this is all playing out, right? We're we got a tie ball game. Uh, you know, people are on the edge of their seats. Darren Williams is not having that great of a game, like you said. The turnover problem. He's, he's been playing well defensively. Yes, he's yes. Guarding Slim Stoudemire. Yes, but so otherwise, they're both, they're both exhausted. We'll get yeah. to that later in the game uh, with those two being exhausted. But anyways, he's not having the best night. They cut to the crowd. They show Darren Williams' mom. Darren Williams' mom is not does not look very happy in the crowd and his toughest critic his yeah, toughest critic that's yeah, what they so, said so then it comes out uh dick emberger's like and of course his biggest critic his mother who is not shy to tell darren when he's having a bad game she's in the crowd basically like if you don't get your shit together <laughs> his first hater the fun- so, yeah, yeah, my yeah, first hater yeah. the funniest part was uh the way dick emberg said it was he he had a big pause he's like of course darren williams says that his biggest critic is and then he kind of like swallowed or like took a pause. And I, I mm. was like, of course, he's going to say himself, you know, because that's that's the cliche is like my biggest critic is myself. And then he goes, his mother. And I was like, what? <laughs> no one ever says their mother. It's like my it father was, or myself. The- <laughs> no one's ever like my mom is my mom fucking hated me. It and was the biggest Paul's me. throat swallow yeah. since uh, Mike Myers after Kanye the same year said George Bush <laughs> doesn't care about black people. <laughs> Biggest one since then. That just to get you back in 05. What's going on? Back in the 05 mindset. That's what it was like. Uh so that's where we were. Jay Bill has also pointed out during this period that Lute Olson recruited him in Iowa. That was speaking, speaking of, of moms. Come yeah, moms. Bag moms. Yeah, Lute We've been to bag moms since Jay Billis said his mom signed with Lute Olson, even though he went to Duke. So the original bag mom, Miss Billis. Yeah. Congratulations. A lot of people don't know this. Uh, Jay Billis' mom still lives in Iowa, actually. She signed with Lute Olson and went there to play for Lute Olson and then just stayed. She liked it. She mm. stayed. She actually lives there. Yeah. Loves it. <laughs> she loves it. <laughs> she still lives in Iowa. Um, all right. So the comeback happens. Okay. Uh, let's yes. break this down. Let's uh, talk about the comeback. Or, or, or do we have any other thoughts about the, the general game? Um, I don't know. We, we obviously don't have a ton of structure to this, but that was part of the part of the appeal. Uh, should we talk about the comeback? Yeah, let's talk about the like, comeback. When was the moment in the comeback that you thought, it, and it's it's easy when you're rewatching it and you know what's going to happen, that Illinois is going to eventually win. But when is the first moment? Not Because I, I want to do this later where we say the moment that the game was over, the moment where you're like, shit, Illinois is definitely going to win this. Mm-hmm. Um, but when was the moment where you, where you said, wait, we have something here? Because, you know, the commentators like to to always say it's a long way from over. That's just what you say when Illinois scores five straight points and you're like, now hang on. It's a long way from over. And you're like, isn't it still like a nine point game with mm-hmm. a minute and a half? And like, there's a producer in your going, yeah. please keep the, yeah. keep we everyone to, here. Yes. Greg Gumble yes. has good takes to give us in the post game. We show. have survivor them, coming yeah. on the other <laughs> yes. side of this. Please keep them tuned in. Uh, so they're saying it's a long way from over, but you're watching it and you're doing the math. Like you said earlier, where you, you forget how big the lead is. Yes. I, I'm doing that as I'm watching. I'm like, damn, nine points with a minute and a half. How do you blow this? Uh, so when for you, as you're rewatching this, were you like, damn, we, we might have something here. We you- may have a comeback here was when Luther had hit a three with 315 left. Okay. To cut it to 11. And it was 77 to 66. 
And when Luther Head hit that three, because Luther Head had been struggling, and again, if you'd watch his Illinois team all year, Luther Head was the leading scorer during the regular season. Luther Head was the answer mm-hmm. when they needed points at times. Like, granted, everyone's going to remember D. Brown and Darren Williams as they should, but Luther Head was very. It's, it's sort of like if you talk about Carolina, you remember Ray Felton, Sean May, but you really need to remember Rashad McCants, right? Because yeah. that was the guy. That was yeah, like yeah. if he's going, they're pretty much unbeatable, and that was how Luther Head was. So when he hit that three, three fifteen left. Uh, it's 77-66, and then uh, th- they have a nice defensive possession. Come back down, D. Brown gets a rebound, like in the middle of the paint, and gets, gets like the offensive e- board. Yeah, like an easy little putback yeah. to cut it back to single digits. Again, the biggest deficit all year is nine points. So when they hit the three, cut it to eleven. Good defensive possession. Come back down, they cut it to nine. You say to yourself, We've "Oh, we're single." And you know yeah. how it is, like in, in basketball and sports, like when you can see single digits. There's such a big difference mentally between 11 and 9, as stupid as that mm-hmm. is, because it's really not that much of a difference. But when you have that moment, you're like, okay, we're back in it. Yeah. And, and it happened like right in this, and it happened quickly because it was like 315. And then by the 301 mark, there's a timeout and it's a nine point game. Yeah. For me, I see, even as I was watching it, um, and again, this is this is very revisionist because it's, it's hard to watch it knowing what's going to happen and then put yourself back in a frame of mind where you don't know what's going to happen. But, um, I feel like it was the Luther head steal. They're down nine. I, I still wasn't really because mm-hmm. they're down nine with a minute thirty, and that's mm-hmm. still. I mean, the 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 miracle minute is fr- is fresh in my mind at this point. The Duke comeback at Maryland when they were down ten with mm-hmm. less than a minute left. So we know it's possible. You know it's possible to be down ten with less than a minute and come back. They were down nine with a minute thirty. So I was like, it's it's definitely possible, but do I really need to to get titillated here do i really need to get Mm -hmm. excited do i need to be calling my friend saying hey turn on the tv this is something might be happening uh and then luther head gets the steal sorry i can't talk right now i'm dialing up on the internet (laughs) ryan get off the phone (laughs) i'm trying to check my am (laughs) um so uh uh when luther head gets the steal uh and just gets a breakaway wide open he, he goes up to dunk it can't dunk it yes this is 121 yeah. left in the game. Because he's this, like exhausted. He's got the hamstring issue. Um, yeah, 77-70 at this point when he lays yeah. it in. It's a seven-point game now. And at that point, I was like, oh, okay. Because there's it's seven, seven, as you said, 11 is, nine is I two know less than 11. I know how stupid that sounds when I'm saying it. I just, I don't know. Well, I was about know. to say the yeah. same thing. I was like, nine, you're like, nine is a lot less than 11. I was about to be like, seven is less than nine. <laughs> yeah. But seriously, in your mind, you just, I don't know why it works like that, but it works like that. Whatever. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it was when Luther Head makes that, I was like, oh, okay. So this is definitely something. And then um, it just kind of snowballed from there. And I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't really understand how Lute Olson allowed this to happen. I think Lute Olson should thank his lucky stars every day that like Twitter did not exist because he would have gotten roasted to high hell. I even made the joke as we were watching this and I'm, I'm recalling uh, Nick Johnson dribbling out the clock against Wisconsin. I'm recalling mm-hmm. uh, Sean Miller when, when Chris Mack comes out in zone against, against uh, uh, Xavier against Arizona in 2017 and Sean Miller like looks at his assistants like what the fuck what is this <laughs> um, I'm recalling all this and I made the joke to you with Sean Miller coaching Arizona in 2005 because uh, I, I really don't understand why more timeouts were called I don't understand when you have I mean Shakur is a sophomore as we said he wasn't quite the player that he ended up being quite yet so like mm-hmm. it was kind of a tough spot for him to be in against the best maybe the best three guard lineup in the history of college basketball to have him out there um, trying to to break these presses and stuff, but you have Salim Stoudemire, you have Hassan Adams, you have like guys that have been there. You, Salim Stoudemire is a senior. Uh, at some point, you could like call timeout or like during a dead ball, call them over, 
tell them to stop that baloney or whatever it is, mm-hmm. whatever words you like to use, loot. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it was, as you said, holy loot, mackerel, guys. Loot Olson reminded me there. of, um, um, I, 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 this is the one example that comes to mind. I was playing golf last weekend and I, I smoked two shots perfectly on a par five. And my second shot puts me like three feet from the hole for an eagle putt. And it's like, it, is this golden tea or real? No, life? this is real okay. life. Obvious. I've never gotten an eagle in my life. It's a three foot putt. It's very flat. It's just an easy, easiest putt in the world. And I take the mindset instead of like trying to read the putt, instead of like thinking about it, instead of doing what like any halfway decent golfer would do. I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to step up and hit it mm-hmm. and try not to think about it. But mm-hmm. by trying not to think about it, I thought about it. Mm-hmm. And I bring that up to say like, that's what Lute Olson looked like he was in. He's like, I'm not mad. I'm actually fine. I'm cool. I missed the putt, by the way. Spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. I missed the putt. It was horrific. Um, that's what Lute Olson looked like. We lost the game. We lost. The yeah, it's like Lute Olson was like, I'm not going to think about it. I'm not thinking about how my team's blowing it. I'm not thinking about how we're throwing it all over the gym. I'm not. Are, are you mad? I'm not mad. I'm not. I'm not phased at all. I'm mm-hmm. calm. Look at me. I'm mm-hmm. calm. And um, that was probably not the approach to take. I probably would have called a few more timeouts. I probably would have got the ball and like Salim Stoudemire's hands more. And they did call a timeout with 2.43 left. Channing Fry cannot inbound the ball. Again, this was a problem all game. He calls a timeout. They go to the bench. And you're thinking to yourself, I wonder how many timeouts Arizona has left. And that goes back to a Dean Smithism. Let's keep all our timeouts. Yeah. They're like in Arizona. So Jay Bill's like, and remember Arizona still three timeouts, still possession arrows, still everything else. Still See, this is what I mean about young Billis. Cause if this was, if this was current Billis, he would be just ripping into Olsen be like, what are they doing? I don't understand. Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. uh, but Billis was still in that mode of feeling it out, which is part of the fun too. But, um, yeah, he Billis would have been losing his mind if it was current day Jay Billis, for sure. Well, you know who also should be losing his mind? Again, we're going to go back to Lute Olsen because right after this, this is all happening. They still have three timeouts. Uh, Bruce Weber calls a timeout, and he says, Guys, guys, foul, foul the freshman. Foul the freshman. <laughs> so they foul McClellan, of course, uh-huh. who is actually having a really good game. He goes, he misses the front end, the first free throw, makes the second. But again... It's just an easy, quick foul. We give him the free throw line. We get the ball back. We come down. And that, that was a lot of like, I think Bruce Weber and the revisionist history of this, he's kind of like, a, you know. He's a punchline. Yeah, to, he's to a punchline. People, like, people, people, people yeah. act like he's, he's not a good coach yeah. or something like that. But he's doing a great job in this game. Uh, so anyways, they go back down. Shakur makes two free throws. So we got 80 to 72 and we're under one minute. Mm-hmm. And that's where we are. And then Luther Head, again, comes back down. Gets a, steal, gets a three, hits a three, and then he gets a, a steal and finish, and D. Brown goes in for the layup. So now we're 80-77, 45.3. That's when Lute Olsen says, you know what? Time out. <laughs> like, I feel like this might be slipping away. <laughs> this has happened faster than I thought. Time out. Crowd again. This is Illinois fans everywhere. People were going insane. They're uh-huh. like on defense is dun dun defense. The yeah. entire arena is rocking. So that's that is the comeback. And Illinois at this point, right? They've already come. Like it feels as if they're up three, not right. Arizona's up three. And that is when uh you know things kind of go. I was surprised by this. I forgot that this happened after the game. Uh, Lute Olson did an interview with Dana Jacobson, and she asked Lute. Why didn't you call more timeouts? And he said, "What? What? Huh? <laughs> Dana? What? <laughs> what are you? What are you saying? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Let's do some. Uh, let's 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 try to have a little bit of structure here. I, I wanted to write down some superlatives that we could go through, rip through. Um, and I wanted to start with this, uh, which I guess this isn't a superlative. This is just a, a 
whatever, whatever it is. We'll, we'll, we're workshopping this. Uh, I wanted, I, I, going into this, I, I wrote this one down. I said, I want to identify when the game was over. The moment you said mm. Illinois is a hundred percent. If you, if you're, if you're one of these nerds that has these algorithms that does win probability, when in your mind did it say Illinois a hundred percent is winning this game? I, there's no outcome that is going to happen otherwise. Hmm. That's a very tough, tough question to ask. We should point out on the comeback, 17-3 run mm-hmm. in the last 248 of the game. Yes. I repeat, 17-3 to run yes. in the last 248. So there were a lot of moments where you're like, okay, this could be it. For me personally, when I knew that they were actually going to win this game was when Luther Head hit the three, and it was 80-75. to And again, it all comes back to Luther Head because as I watch Illinois back in these days, he was the one guy that if he was going, I was terrified because they weren't a deep team. You know, they had two guys yeah. coming off the bench pretty much. Yes. So I was like, if Luther Head is scoring, he is their third or first option, depending on the day, as far as a scorer. If he becomes their primary scorer and he's hot, they're unbeatable. And then it's happening in the moment. You see his wheels kind of turning. He's playing great defense. He's jumping passing lanes. I mean, he's all over the place. And he's not as tired as Darren Williams again because he's been chasing Sleem around all game. Right. So Luther Head, when he hit that three, five-point game, 45 seconds, Lute Olsen finally takes a swig of water out of that cup he's been holding <laughs> all game. Or when he says, oh, like, my God. Shit, that's my dip spit. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's it's a sh- shot of wild turkey. He was like, let me throw this back. Hopefully I'll black out and we'll win this game so I don't ruin it. <laughs> uh, Luther Head, by the way, uh, I, I can't believe I brought this up yet. When you're 16 years old and – one of the, the leading scorer on the best team in the country has a last name head. That is, mm-hmm. that is fun. nice. That's a fun time. <laughs> Shit in a bucket. I was living <laughs> in the era what, of a, what year did getting some head come out? Because <laughs> I think it might've been 2005. Did you guys have a, did all, did all you guys, uh, I was about to say your friends, but Kyle, it feels like a Kyle move to have the Morehead state hats and the Cox hat, like the white hat that says Cox on it. Like, was that a, was that yeah, a thing down South in South Carolina? Carolina? Absolutely. Like that was a thing, uh, in, in my high school is like, all, like people would wear hats to say Cox and say university of South Carolina. And then the teachers would get mad. And then they'd be like, my cousin goes to South Carolina. Like bullshit, Bill. You don't have a cousin. We had that in college. Uh, it was, <laughs> that was the Potsdam sandstoners, but it was just the Potsdam stoners. Yeah. So that's what we did. And the teachers were like, guys, you didn't go to Potsdam. Please don't do this this was the Your era mascot is the sandstoners well the high school i didn't go oh, to high school okay. there dog. Uh, yeah okay this was the era that i was in though. i was 16 and uh, all, uh my the dipshit flame outs at my high school had morehead state hats and say morehead on it and they'd wear them around and the cocks so <laughs> that then is you, the you turn on the tv high school, and it's head high school, <laughs> if your high school was called dipshit high school yeah. you guys were the flamethrowers <laughs> um Anyway, what were we talking about, Luther? Oh, when was the moment that it was over? 80 uh, is 80, 75 yeah. for me. But I'm going to flip it around because this is more of a... I like feel the like real I, answer. I take the, I'm yeah, going to take the, the popular answer. answer. Yes. I, my, for me, it's the popular answer. It's the answer that everyone gave. It's the one shot I think that everyone would remember from this game, which is the Darren Williams uh, three that ties it at 80. The camera starts shaking. We get the shot of Bill Murray. He's crying. He's like, mm-hmm. this is the greatest moment of my life. Um, I'm Illinois for life. This it caps off the comeback. It ends up being the shot that sends it to overtime. There's no scoring the rest of regulation because Arizona again. Lute Olson uh, puts the ball in Salim Stoudemire's hands, and then Salim Stoudemire dribbles and throws it out to McClellan in the corner, and then the whole thing happens there. Um, but yeah, that that was the moment. That is the shot. Uh, it was it was kind of a a, a scramble too because that that was part of it too. It was like Illinois presses. Arizona's throwing the ball into Channing Fry. Ingram gets a fistful of jersey, fouls the shit out of him. So I will give you that, Arizona fans. Take that home. You can you can 
But again, what Arizona has three timeouts. So if you look, if you're about to throw the ball in, and I think McClellan or uh, I can't remember who was throwing the ball in there, but it, it might have been McClellan because I think he inbounded at the end of the game. If you're him, and again, he is a freshman, so he can't say that so much, but you have these timeouts. You've already seen Channing And he Fry. had a great game. Like a, yeah, not, yeah. Not, maybe not a great game, but McClellan for a guy, like he was asked to do so much more than he should have been asked in this game, and he, he, he played pretty well. But they had the right to call a timeout. Yeah, it wasn't like a policy, still, yeah. unless, unless there was a chance, like maybe we get some background where Channing you know Fry called the timeout, Lute Olsen yelled at you him You know who I blame? Who? Lute Olsen, as you said, is an old man. Yes. He's at the end of his career mm-hmm. at this point in time. It falls on the assistant coaches, Tate. And who mm. was an assistant coach on the staff? Josh Pastner. It's Pastner's fault. Come on, Josh. Josh, Josh. what are you doing? Josh. Josh was like, what was he, 26 at this time, probably? Yeah. Um, <laughs> he had been drinking the wild turkey that yeah, Coach, coach had been drinking. <laughs> uh, so um, um, that was the play. So they throw it into Channing Fry. Ingram fouls the shit out of him. I, I, I'm only saying that to give Arizona fans something positive to look back on mm-hmm. that they can be like, Thank God you said it, Titus, because we need something to to feel good about. Uh, he gets fouled, but whatever. They don't call it. I think uh, Luther Head picks it up, throws it to Dee Brown, skip pass over to Darren Williams, who comes off the Ingram ball screen, hits the three, ties the game, camera shakes. Can they do it with time running out? There is on Ingram to bat the ball away. Williams could tie it with a three. He does! Oh! The final seconds to decide the team that advances to the final four. Illinois has made up 15 points in the last four minutes. Timeout, Arizona. At that point, if you're you're watching that live, I do remember watching that live and being mm-hmm. like, there is 0% chance that Arizona wins this game, which is kind of funny because Arizona did have a shot to win it at the end. Not only did they have a shot, he hit that shot, Darren Williams, with 38 seconds left to go in the game. They had game. a shot at the end of regulation. They had four shots to win it at the end of... Four shots for uh, Arizona. Uh, yeah. yeah with, with with overtime included yeah. in that. So they basically had three shots at the end. So anyways, 38 seconds are left. Bill Murray's going wild. Arizona finally takes a timeout to let the crowd kind of go wild. We learned that they're 8-1 and one in close games. They had just hit a shot, Salim Sotomayor, game-winning shot the round before. So... Again, like you're saying that right now, you're like when Darren Williams hit the shot to tie it, that's when I knew the game was over. And everyone's like, okay, of course, duh, he hit the shot, tied the game. But again, at the time, everyone, just like Jay Billis, was like, Arizona has possession. Arizona has two more timeouts. Arizona has this. Arizona has that. Arizona's better in close games. Illinois has never been in a close game all year. Mm-hmm. So everything is still leaning towards Arizona. They are, they've been dominating inside. They've been on the boards. There's a chance that Channing Fry gets a nice little putback, even if Sotomayor does miss. We've seen that a lot in this game. So it's still Arizona. They call another timeout with 11 seconds left. Lute Olsen is getting basically blown by Jay Billis about how great he is, you know, <laughs> like with these types of moments, like he's like, Lute's going to draw up something here. This is going to, this is going to be, if I know what Lute Olson does and my mom surely does, <laughs> he's going to draw up some magic here at the end. Bruce Weber is drawing up his defensive plan, which is basically like, uh, don't let Salim Sotomayor get the ball. Anyway, Salim Sotomayor gets, gets the, the ball, ball. <laughs> and Salim Sotomayor dribbles to the left side and the whole story, which I was telling you was like Salim Sotomayor. The whole point was he didn't care about anyone but Salim Sotomayor, and he's always going to take the last shot. It's very Kobe of him. Even though he compared himself to Jordan, everyone was like, this guy is going to take the shot. Kobe is Jordan, though. Kobe and Jordan are the same player. Exactly. Yeah, you know that. Uh, So he's driving left, and everyone's like, Salim's going to take a hero shot. It's going to be a bad shot. And he's thinking to himself, everybody thinks I'm going to take a bad shot. 
pass. So he does the classic. So he passes it. And then we get a bad shot from, of course, the freshman. And uh, again, who we keep piling on him, but he, he misses the shot. It gets tipped over in the corner. Channing Fry gets his best block of the game. He blocks uh, D Brown. He's trying to throw it up the court and it goes into the hands of Salim Stoudemire. And Salim Stoudemire says, you know what? They were wrong. <laughs> I am taking this shot. I am not, I am not, I am not going to pass it anymore. Jump shot. Meanwhile, Shakur is right, wide open right to the right of him. Could have probably taken a step, like flipped the ball to himself and shot a three. Yeah. Anyway, Stoudemire goes straight up, gets blocked. Ball comes back down. Adams grabs it. Last second heave. Gets a, barely to the basket. We're going to overtime. And it was like the culmination. That's why it hurts me as a Slim Sotomayor fan because he gets so many bad knocks always. And then he tries to make the right play. It doesn't work out. So then he reverts back to his old ways. It doesn't work out. And then it just it, like, it just win. never worked out. And yeah. uh, that was the, the uh, moment. The D. Brown pass, by the way, is mm. um, is my big what if from this game. Yes. Be- for, for two reasons. Uh, so he, he gets the – it's 80 to 80 at this point, yes. as we said. Uh, McClellan puts the shot up. D. Brown gets the ball, and he goes to throw a baseball pass because Darren Williams just takes off running and mm-hmm. it's wide open. And if if D. Brown throws the baseball pass to Darren Williams, Darren Williams dunks it at the buzzer. We get like a Dennis Smith and Cameron mm-hmm. situation, except it actually counts. Um, I, I didn't even mean that as like a I didn't even mean that as like a vacated thing. <laughs> I meant that as Dennis Smith dunked that for the oh, buzzer. It's a double on yeah, yeah. yeah, it was that that I just realized that as I said it. Um, so it's a what if for that because like. As much as the thing was shaking when Darren Williams hit the three, imagine Illinois capping off this comeback in regulation with D. Brown throwing the outlet to Darren Williams, who's wide open, and there's nothing Arizona f- players can do. And they're like full sprint. They're like the assholes in rec league basketball. Mm-hmm. They're like trying to, you know, mm-hmm. full sprint foul the guy. Like it would have been unbelievable to see Darren Williams dunk the ball at the buzzer to win the game. And I don't even know what the scene would have looked like. So there's that what if, but then the ball gets deflected. So then the new what if becomes. Holy shit! What if Salim Stout? Because at this point, it's just disarray on the yeah, court. It's like it's not. It's, yes. it's absolute chaos. So it's easy to say, like, well, Luther Head was always going to be there. He was not always going to. There, there's no. There's no guarantee that any of these players are going to be anywhere on the court that they ended up. And the ball, say Luther Head is like three steps more to the sideline than he was. And Salim Stoudemire, the best shooter in college basketball, maybe one of the greatest shooters college basketball has ever seen, had the greatest shooting season college basketball has ever seen. Gets a wide open look at the top of the key. Yeah, just catches at the top just of the key and pulls it. it. Oh my god! That, that place is, yeah. is completely dead. That would have been unbelievable. Yeah, is going crazy. The, Salim yeah. Sotomayor is remembered as one of the greatest shots. It's like a Leitner type shot that we always show yeah. that leading back to back. It would have been like he hits the shot against Oklahoma State. He hits the shot against Illinois. Yes. Like who is this guy? He's We're a having legend. like Kimba Walker talks about like this run that Salim Sotomayor is on. He gets drafted like seventh in the, the yeah. draft that year. Yeah. <laughs> He starts shooting threes in the NBA, and they're like, invest, it, they're like, oh my god, like, this guy's a three point revolution. And then Steph Curry comes along, and they're like, we've already <laughs> seen, seen it, before. we've already seen it before. Get it out of here. <laughs> Who's this wannabe Stoudemire? <laughs> and then Steph doesn't make the league, and then the Warriors don't win titles, and Steve Kerr's probably out of a job at this point, and LeBron probably has eight championships. <laughs> keep going. Who just keep going? LeBron has eight championships now, and Salim so um, Stoudemire, no. Brandon Roy, and Greg Oden led yeah, the Port right, Trailblazers right. to five straight titles. Uh, that was, uh, I think that was something that as you're watching it, it just kind of gets deflected. Arizona doesn't get the shot off and you just kind of move on um, because that's probably what you're supposed to do. Like it probably doesn't serve us well to play what if games, but that's kind of the point of the podcast, right? Is like you just have some fun and, and do hypothetical shit like that. And that was my big what if is like that play could have gone differently in so many ways, so many ways, because mm-hmm. it was absolute chaos at the end of the game, at the end of regulation, I mean, and uh, it could have been 
it could have been very iconic for all the right reasons or all the wrong reasons either way. And D Brown could be, you know, if, if, if sound of my hits that D Brown is like the uh, goat. Yeah. The goat, the, the lowercase goat. Well, that brings me to, to, oh, yeah. to what we want to do here. Mm-hmm. Let's do the goat and the goat. Mm-hmm. Well, you want to start with the lowercase goat? Let's or the start with the lowercase goat. goat. Okay. Yes. The original goat, the, right. the, the meaning that we all knew of when we were coming up, when you were playing pickup basketball or any sort of sport outside and someone did something really dumb, like, I don't know, dribbled off their foot and you go, he's such a goat yeah. oh my god i cannot believe scapegoat this. yeah like yeah, the, 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 the whole scapegoat. frame yeah yeah, yeah. steve yeah. barman was the the yeah. scapegoat, scapegoat was the original outfit that turned into fit you know what i mean yeah. we just took off the front part of it mm-hmm. and they're just you're the goat so anyways the goat in this game it's it's very very hard for me to pick one in particular for arizona but i think it goes back to a guy that's sitting on the bench with twiddling his thumbs or whatever he's up to Josh Pastor, I mean, yeah, 100% he's the goat in this game because Lou Olson's 70 years old. He's got a lot going on in his mind. He probably reprimanded Channing Fry for taking that one time out on the inbounds. And Josh Pastner should have said, hey, coach, no big deal. We got three more timeouts. Mm-hmm. But instead he was thinking, I really need to be a head coach somewhere. <laughs> It's like my clock is ticking. I'm almost 30 and I'm not yeah. a head coach anymore. Yeah, when am I going to get a job that I care about? Um, so, yeah, Pastor's one of those guys. But then actually on the court, uh, I would say the, the GOAT in this game, as much as it really, really hurts me to say, is, uh, you know, I'm going to say it, Mustafa Shakur. Oh, okay. Because he should have never come in so brazen when he was a freshman and been like, I'm the golden boy. I'm the point guard. He should have, you know, gotten okay. close with Channing Fry and Slim Sotomayor. So it's, it's a longer. It's, it's a not long really con. The, it's it's, it's not like really the game. To do with this it, game. It's a lot more, you know, emotional stuff that was built into it. Because had they been tight, had they been boys, guess who makes that pass? Yeah. Salim Sotomayor. Well, there you go. Okay, so this is just the long. This is yeah. the long con. So Mustafa Shakur is his fault. In that case, My in that case, I'm saying Iguodala for not coming back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where's defensive stopper Andre Iguodala when you need no, him? No, my go. Uh, this also pains me to say because he played out of his mind, played really, really well for Arizona um, for most of this game. As I, we already talked about, he was a mismatch nightmare. Uh, but Hassan Adams at the mm. end of at the end of overtime, the very last possession, he he gets isolation, Tate. And he just Nick Johnson's it. He just doesn't have any idea how much time's left on the clock. He dribbles out the clock. He throws up like a desperation shot once he realizes. And if you if you just watch that p- possession in isolation, it's like what the fuck is that? What what just happened right there? I mean, like more context, it's it's more understandable because it is given the 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 scene at the arena, the comeback that Illinois just went on, the stakes, all that kind of stuff. I understand it. It's kind of hard. It was this was 2005 again. Who who knows where the clock was in the arena if they even had like. I don't know what the technology was back then. So, um, but just to watch them, like, like Arizona has the ball. They're down by one. They have all, they can get the last shot here. And they, and Hassan Adams just basically holds the ball and then decides, okay, now I'll go. And then he doesn't have enough time and he throws up a desperation shot. I think it has to be him for that reason. McClellan, the freshman, to throw in the ball. 10 seconds. Shapur, eight seconds. Adams with three, he's got a hurry. Finally forced to shoot, and the ball game is over. Illinois in overtime advances to the final four. To defend Hassan Adams, this was his yeah. season high twenty-one points. Yeah, and it's tough. It, it, listen, he played well the entire game, but like that's the whole point of the goat is like, yeah, you just want one guy dependent on because honestly, it's the entire team. Like mm-hmm. the the. the 
there was no one there there really wasn't like the Chris Webber calling timeout situation or anything like that. There wasn't like the one moment where it's like it was Josh that Pastor was a horrible, not yeah, it was Josh, That's what it was. Uh there was really no one moment where you're like, What an idiot. Who why would he do that? Um but no, that that was that would be my answer though. Because you have to at least get a shot off. You have to at least like Yeah. Even if it's just like a contested, like mm-hmm. you dribble to the elbow, shoot a little bit of a fadeaway at the hand in your face. At least that's like a shot you've practiced before. But like, I don't think he's ever practiced. Just sit here, let the clock tick down, and then throw up some bullshit. I will say the mental hurdle that comes into play when you do have your season high in basketball, like you know, you always know how many points you have. I don't believe anyone that says like I had no oh, idea. Yeah, 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 everyone course, knows yeah, everyone how many knows. points they have. So like, you get to twenty one points for the first time all season long. Let me just say, you feel like you're in foreign territory and you also feel like a god. So if you're Hassan Adams, he's thinking to himself, I'm about to go ISO and get this. Like, this is about to be game time. Everybody's been wrong. It's my team. Swinging dick. And so he's like he's like too confident because he's not really where he needs to be. You know what's weird? Yeah. Hassan Adams led the team in scoring the year before. He averaged 17 points a game his sophomore year in 2004. And he's like, I'm back. The next season, he averages 12 points a game, which is 05 mm-hmm. when Salim Stoudemire goes nuts. Then Salim Stoudemire and Chaney Fry leave, and he goes back to averaging 17 a game. It's kind of bizarre, isn't it? I don't know. So you're Salim theory. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Honestly, yeah. most people will say Salim Stoudemire is the yeah, go. Yeah, Salim Lower Stoudemire case, would be But we will not do that on this program. But, but for Salim, it was uh, the entire game. He sucked. Um, I, was, I was thinking like one moment you look at and you're like, you probably shouldn't have done that. And that for me was like, you have to at least get a shot off. But the real answer is probably Lute Olsen. Just in general, but I like I like your theory that Lute Olson was strong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's Jock Olson woke up the next morning in Chicago and was like, "How'd it go, Josh?" He's like, "Coach, we're flying back. <laughs> no, we're not going to St. Louis." All right, so let's do the Capital Goat. Who is right. who is the uh, the 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 player of the game for you? The the, the Capital Goat of the game for me. I think most people will probably say Darren Williams. I would say that is not a guy that I was really enamored with throughout the game i think the goat for me is roger powell okay roger powell is everywhere in this game he's getting rebounds he's getting tough tough baskets they kept saying jay bill has kept saying arizona has to be strong with the ball this illinois team and the reason they had to be strong with the ball is because of roger powell and luther head especially mm-hmm. getting passing lanes and trying to tip balls out and i mean darren williams obviously as well but he was more trailing salim around screens everywhere so roger powell was the one a lot of big and ones a lot of big threes i mentioned the three early in the game when he kind of got them out of that zone kind of kept them honest he took one bad three late in the game but it didn't really matter in the end because luther head got hot so for me roger powell is the goat okay i'm cool with that um, mine, mine was either Channing Fry or Darren Williams. Obviously, yes. like the two best players in this game. I think and Channing I think, Fry is very overlooked in this game. I think uh, it comes down to like what you value more. Obviously, Darren Williams uh won the game, but I think over the totality of the of the game, even even given what Darren Williams did defensively against Stoudemire, like Channing Fry over the entire course, if you if you close if you blocked off the score and said the score doesn't matter in this game, this is just pickup basketball, and we're just all having fun out here. Channing Fry, I walk away from that game thinking Channing Fry is by far the best player on the court. Yes. So with that in mind, I think I have to say Channing Fry, but I also realize how stupid that is given the big shots that Darren Williams hit down the stretch, given that he guarded the best player on Arizona and completely shut him down. Um, it seems very, very stupid to say that, but like it was that was the most enjoyable thing for me was to rewatch that and rewatching it was to 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 see Channing Fry because I knew going in that Darren Williams hits the big shot to send it to overtime. I knew going in that he shuts down Salim Stoudemire. So I really wasn't like 
that impressed. I, I don't know. That's that's not a bad word. Obviously, I'm impressed, but I wasn't that. It wasn't that fun to watch it happen because mm-hmm. I knew what I was going to see. It was really fun for me to see Channing Fry and be like, "God damn, I forgot how good Channing Fry was in college. He was so so good." Um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna make that my answer. Channing I like Fry. it, Channing yeah. Fry. I mean, he, he had huge yeah. blocks in the game, and he basically uh, 24 was, points, yes, 12 yeah. boards, mm-hmm. six block shots mm-hmm. on 11 of 14 shooting, and it should be seven blocks. But he blocked the pass. I mean, he that was a great play on D Brown. I mean, if, again, yeah. if, if that's it, what if scenario happens? It's all thanks to Channing Fry. Um. All right. So what what else do we have to to tie this all together? Do we have any fun facts? I wrote down I wrote down a few fun facts, just a few odd like notes that um I wasn't really sure when to bring them up. And I just wanted to wrap it up with some of these. Please. Um, number one, uh, we talked about that Wake Forest game that, mm-hmm. that Illinois beat the hell out of Wake Forest. And that was kind of their uh, announcement to, even though they had won the Big Ten, as you said, we kind of knew Illinois was good coming into the season. But that was the moment when you beat the shit out of an ACC team who was ranked number one in the country um, that you announced to the world. We are not just Big Ten good. We are legitimately good. Dare I say historically good. Um, so that Wake Forest game happened. I didn't realize this. Wake Forest, you know who Wake Forest played the game before they played at Illinois? Mm-mm. Arizona. They beat Arizona. What's that? I could have guessed that. It was oh, a good setup. That's the way I set it yeah. up. <laughs> I was going to say Pepperdine. <laughs> like, wow. Oh, Is that Nelson. relevant? No, not at all. It's not relevant whatsoever. Um, they played Arizona in Madison Square Garden. They beat Arizona. And then they, so maybe that should have been a telltale sign that uh, this was going to end up this way, that Illinois is going to win, that Wake Forest was the common denominator that, they beat Arizona, but get the shit destroyed by. We should uh, also go back to Kim Palm in the situation where Wake Forest, as far as pace, is probably what like top thirty in basketball yeah. that year, and Arizona is like around seventy five. Carolina is like top ten, top fifteen. Wake Forest is going to play the way Arizona wants to play. Illinois did not want to play the way Arizona played. Yeah, and then when they got sped up, we saw a little bit of a problem. So it's just a variance of styles. I could also see Arizona beating the brakes off Wake Forest in the tournament because. That Wake Forest team was very... It was a Wake Forest team. Yeah, they were very it's, weird. It's, it's just yeah. like the 09 Wake Forest team. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, who is Chris Paul going to punch in the balls to get this team to go and play harder? <laughs> um, I had this other note. Uh, so in 2001, we talked about that, the, the Elite Eight game, uh, the Illinois and, and Arizona play no one. Mm-hmm. The Arizona won. Luke Walton comes off the bench in that game. Um, for Arizona, or for that team, Arizona, and he he hit some big free throws down the stretch. What is? But Luke, I was just gonna say Luke Walton is on the team. That's the whole point of the story. Uh, you know who was calling that game in 01 when uh, Illinois and Arizona were playing each other? I a did man, not. A man by the name of Bill Walton. Oh, I found that fascinating. I was rewatching a little bit of that and prepping for this uh, thing, and I don't know. Bill Bill Walton calling Luke Walton's game NCAA tournament games in the lead eight. I imagine if Twitter was alive back then, Illinois fans would not have been happy about that. That. Uh, Bill Walton was calling his son's game in an Elite Eight game. That's pretty fucking crazy if you think <laughs> How about it. How many that. times did Bill Walton say he loves his son? Because that yeah. seems, oh, I like, love him. Oh, I love him. I, so when 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 Luke Walton hits the free throws, Bill Bill <laughs> says something like, he, he said it as though Luke Walton wasn't his son. He was like, Luke, um, he's like, of course, Luke Walton growing up shot with the legendary UCLA coach. And he, he said it like uh, he was just any other player. But it was like, I wanted Dick Enberg to be like, cite your source, Bill. How do you know that? <laughs> like, I was there, Dick. Um, anyway, well, I, I found Dick. that. I, I mean, if you really think about it, like people lose their mind when Joe Buck calls like a Cardinals game, and they're mm-hmm. like, he's too close to the Cardinals. His dad was a car, you know. Like, it's it's too much bias. Get him out of here. Mm-hmm. Like, can you imagine an elite eight game, Bill Walton calling his son's game? Like, 
Illinois fans would have lost their shit. I'm could sure you, they did back then. There just wasn't Twitter to. Could you imagine hiring someone's dad as a coach and then getting their son to come play for your school? No. Could I you imagine that? That'd be crazy. I, um, I, I just want to bring up one note. We're doing little notes. I forgot to say this when I was talking about Roger Power and my goat. This is what Jay Billis had to say. Again, Roger Power called himself the Reverend. He was the Rev. And uh, when he got a rebound and an and one put back, Jay Billis said, the Reverend bringing it down from the heavens. Yeah. So this is Jay. He a couple of he was, those. He was this is Jay yeah. Billis. Like he's getting lines out there. He's like, just trying stuff. Right? Yeah, it's this cool. was good. Yeah, it was Jay before nice. Jay. Yeah, it was I, like we get to see. We I get to see to, young Billis. Yeah, we get, we get Bag Mom. We get the Reverend coming down from the heavens. Like this is. Uh, and then we get Dick Emberg doing the the oh my. Oh as my. soon as you know Luther Head gets a nice little still and layup in overtime. Those are my main notes. <laughs> uh, we forgot to mention Jack Ingram. They said it on the broadcast. Oh, Jack yes. Ingram in the summer and is off is off season time um operated a roller coaster at six flags that was his job yeah oh so. i thought it was a joke because he looked like a carney no he I doesn't didn't know like, he was no. an actual carney no, no, yeah. no he but he was rides no you want to be rides and not games yeah it's a high class i just watched adventureland uh for yeah. the first time paying attention so really jack good. ingram's a baller he's rides yeah he's the guy that lisa that, p for sure he's the guy that wears the microphone is like welcome back riders how was your ride and then People like clap. He's like, "All right, thank you, guys. All right, exit to the left. <laughs> All, All right. right, your boy Jack. All right, <laughs> All right, welcome back, Riders. Um, all right, uh, what, let, let's let's wrap this up. What what else we got to say? Um, I, I just kind of wanted to revisit for Illinois fans, uh, uh, just how great this team was. Just what what this team meant to Illinois basketball, two thousand five Illinois. What it meant to Big Ten basketball. As we said, it was um a, a team that you look back on. It, it, it I'll put it this way. You know how we, we we talk a lot about on the podcast about how like Duke and Kentucky almost have shifted their focus away from like winning national titles and instead like having these brands to the point that uh, I don't necessarily think this is their goal, but it's a byproduct of their new approach of building a brand where um, people remember the Duke teams based on how how much they resonated with them throughout the season and not on how much they win right mm-hmm. to the like this this past duke season was zion and rj and cam reddish i think people would look back on this like this team was unbelievable and they won a ton of shit and like and even if they don't even think they won a ton of shit like people will look back fondly and this will almost be the the year of duke even though virginia won the title because mm-hmm. like zion was zion whatever um so i say that to say that uh uh illinois I'm I'm just gonna say it. I almost don't. I almost think it doesn't even matter that they didn't win the title for the legacy of this team because they mattered so much to Illinois basketball fans. They mattered so much to the Big Ten as a whole that they were like definitively one of the great all-time teams. That as more time passes, as you said, they get labeled as like the best team to never win it. They like like there's nobody out there that's like hasn't heard of 2005 Illinois. So I don't think it, it. It obviously matters to the players. It matters to the fan base. But as far as like the legacy of the team. I don't think it actually matters that they didn't win the title. Is that a hot take? Not at all, because I was going to say something in a similar vein in the sense that Bruce Weber won 61 games in two years and took this team to the first Final Four since 1989. And I know yeah. that he gets a lot of, you know, like you just said, he's, he's kind of a punching bag sometimes in the world of college basketball, even though the Elite Eight run with Kansas State, I think, kind of alleviated a little bit of that because people are like, oh, Bruce Weber, good coach. Yeah. If you watch this game, he outcoached Lute Olson. Yeah, he did. A hundred percent. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And we're not he just did. saying that because he won. No, he it's, he it's, he yeah. did a great job with what they like like we mentioned at the top of the game. They ran a zone, we have an answer. Yeah. You're gonna use Channing Fry out of the post to pass, we're gonna double. Like, I mm-hmm. mean, 
there was a game plan. They had a great game plan, and uh, Bruce Weber delivered on a lot of things. So I would say that for Illinois. And I also will say this. Illinois fans, all the ones that were in that building going crazy, come back. Go back. Well, here's the problem. Be back. Be present. I mean, Bill Murray, get back out there. I mean, this this is a time when I was threatened by Illinois basketball because I was thinking to myself, Jeffrey Jordan was not going to North Carolina. He was going to where? Illinois. Mm, Bill Murray, I thought he was cool with us. He was in Space Jam. He knew about Michael's, you know, Carolina shorts. Guess where he was? Illinois. Chicago was taken over. Everyone was, you know, jacked up about Illinois basketball. makes no damn sense. I was very, very, very scared and intimidated as a North Carolina basketball fan. You know, two national, three national championships later, not so much, but at the time, yeah, it makes Tough. no damn sense that they, they do this in Chicago and now the Chicago recruits won't come. I don't understand. You mentioned I, earlier, you're like, you're like, no one's ever heard of the 05 Illinois team. I said, here's probably all those five star recruits. Here's my, here's my, here's my other what if. What if they play this in the United Center instead? What if the reason Illinois strikes out on Chicago recruits is because they're actually getting all the Rosemont recruits? That's <laughs> yes. where Allstate Arena is in the suburbs. <laughs> yes. Like all those kids that grew, grew up watching that Illinois team are like, yes, mm. we want to play for Illinois. But the game didn't actually take place in Chicago, and that's why they lose out on the cruise. If this would have happened in the United Center, Anthony Davis and Derek Rose. And if you want to watch those Rosemont kids, please pull up the Academy tapes from the NCAA Academy last week with uh, the Condoleezza Rand because they'll all be there. Uh, you talked about out. you talked about uh, comeback, please, uh, uh, Illinois fans. What has happened to Illinois basketball? Comeback. Illinois has not been to a Sweet 16 since 2005, Tate. That was the last time they made the Sweet 16. Um, they got a four. So D. Brown and James Augustine stay. The next mm-hmm. season, uh, Luther Head and Darren Williams leave and Roger Powell leave. Uh, they get a four seed in 06. They have not had a top four seed since 06. So that was like the last time they've even been a top four seed. Their only top five seed that they've had since 2005 was in 09. And they lost in the first round. They were a five seed. They lost to Western Kentucky in the first round. It has been, and that, and in a weird way, that kind of helps the legacy of the 05 team. Is that it's like, it was like this flash in the pay. It's like the what people think is going to happen with the Raptors. You know, I was like, they had this great moment. Like we'll mm-hmm. remember it forever, and then like more times going to go by, and the um, the Raptors might become irrelevant. But it's like, damn it, we still have that one year, and we had that one team that uh, except for they won. But that speaks to, yeah, no, that speaks to the uh, uh, what I said at the start that how this felt like the culmination of Illinois basketball of of Lou Henson to Lon Kruger to Bill Self to now Bruce Weber is going to take us to the promised land and we're going to get over the hump finally in 2005. And it all, it had to happen then and it didn't happen. I think most Illinois fans are like, if we couldn't do it in 05, we're never going to fucking do it. And that really sucks. But um, yeah, that's it. And then the, the wheels kind of came off for Bruce. 2011, I think was the, was the year that uh, it was kind of obvious. Bruce was definitely gone. Mm-hmm. They had like, Dimit- they had uh, Dimitri McKamey, um, Mike Tisdale, Mike Davis, Myers Leonard was a freshman, but he kind of sucked in. But they had a really, really good team. Like McCamey was a yeah, really good Big Ten really basketball good. player. Yeah. Um, they enter kind of similar to Darren Williams a little bit. They enter the year. season in the top fifteen, and the wheels just fall off. They get a nine seed in the tournament. They finish twenty and fourteen on the season. Uh, they lose to, to Illinois Chicago in December in the United Center. And I think like after two thousand eleven, everyone's like, "All right, this is it for Bruce." He stuck around one more year, and that was it. And now he's at Kansas State. But um, yeah, that's the that's the where are they now. That's the what happened after. But the 05 Illinois team will always live on. They will always live on. And, and I think um, that's like the larger yeah. story is that this game is one of those games that will always be rewatchable. It's one of those games where you can talk to someone randomly about a game in college basketball. They may have seen it. They may have heard about it. And I think that does a lot for Illinois, the brand of basketball. And I don't think that they're gone. 
You know, I don't think I don't think this will be the last hoorah for mm. Illinois basketball. There's too much talent there. There's too much history, and it was great to see Bruce Weber at the time shine. And I think that I don't know, bring back those guys. Like Darren Williams should be around the program more. You know yeah. what I mean? They should they should really embrace that. It does not seem like that is the case. Uh, you bring so up a far. good point. Yeah. I, they they got to figure that part out. Mm-hmm. I think, and I, think I don't they, know what side it is. I don't know if it's the university. I don't know if it's the players. Yeah. Not, but I don't know if it's because your coach isn't there. What we all know how that is. But whoever is there in charge, enough time has passed. Reach out to that team, celebrate that team, be a part of like celebrate. We don't mean like have them back for one game. We mean like like buy them houses in Champagne, and that's the maybe that's the problem. It's like mm-hmm. Champagne. No disrespect, but like that is by far the worst Big Ten town that I you ever we ever played at. That's I like I like I like Illinois fans. I like the I like their arena, mm-hmm. great arena. It's basically like Diet Mackey Arena. It's mm-hmm. like exactly like Mackey. It's just the bathrooms aren't as nice. Mm. Um, I really like I really like the idea of Illinois basketball. I like the orange. Uh, the orange crush used to talk a lot of shit to me when I would sit on the bench, and I, I like that feel where like the the student section is right next to the parents, the the visiting parents section, and right next to the walk ons at the end of the bench, so they can get real personal with you. Um, they got a good thing there. And then they have the students like on the floor kind of like wrapped around. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty crazy environment. Uh, as you said, all the pieces are there for Illinois to get it back. Um, it's just champagne sucks, dude. That's, that is not a good town. And I, I don't think I'm breaking any news here. And maybe that's part of it. It's like Darren Williams is like, I had a good four years or three years. I think it was three years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not in any hurry to get back there. You know what they need? Yeah. Drake. AKA Champagne Poppy, now spelled differently because he's in Champagne, Illinois. They need Bill Murray. Yeah, Bill Murray. Get Bill come Murray back. back. Come on, bring Bill, him back, please. All right, that's it. Anything else before we go? No, I just on this? I just wanted to say that Salim Sotomayor is still an all-time great in the college basketball ranks. Don't yeah. ever forget it. Go look up uh, that. That is the homework. The the extra credit homework is. Go go watch Salim Sotomayor not in this game. Mm-hmm. Go watch his other. Go watch like literally any other game you played in. And and you will love him as much as Tate and I did. And it's, it really sucks that this. And was, if you get tired of him, go watch Biggie Stoudemire, aka Damon Stoudemire, at Ill- or at Arizona when he took them to their second Final Four in '94. I mean, the, the whole Stoudemire family has been great. Watch any Stoudemire. Watch if, any Stoudemire. Just, just, Amari Stoudemire. 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 Watch, watch them all. Yeah. Whatever. Do something. Just do that. Um, yeah. All right. That's just this went well. I think we'll do this again. Yeah. yeah. This will be good. Yeah. I I enjoyed every second of this. Kyle was asleep, but I mean that's okay. I was awake the whole time. Okay, he is. I was asleep during the game. <laughs> I did some research. You were right. Uh, getting some head by Lil Wayne came out in 2006. So, oh, right <laughs> around the same right? time. Pretty yeah. close. Yeah. Pretty close. Yes, that was definitely an Illinois situation. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Luther Head's going to start taking credit for all the Lil Wayne singles. Uh, um, if you enjoyed this podcast, and I certainly hope you did, uh, we're going to, as I said uh, at the top, we're going to do more of these. Um, the mm-hmm. next one we are going to do, uh, undetermined date, but uh, very, very soon. We are going to do the 2002 Indiana versus Duke Sweet 16 game, which uh, is my pick. It's going to be my pick, so I'm going to be very excited to do that one. But um, yeah, and then we'll do we'll do a few more. We'll let the people vote on on whatever. Um, that's it. So we might have more. I'll, I'll have to figure out some more structure with the next one. But this went pretty well. I had a good time. It was I had fun. a great time. It was fun to to, to revisit this game. All time great game. Uh, that's it. We will see you guys next week. Thank you for listening. Peace.